Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Back Tuesday on 101 ESPN's Opening Drive. Brooke Grimsley is here. Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker. It is great to have you with us at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. On this Tuesday, the Cardinals get back into action against Houston. They'll start a three-game series tonight at the ballpark, and then they'll take on the Yankees over the weekend. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm doing wonderful. Brooke Grimsley rocking the Ascension Charity Classic cap. I today. am. I am. Ready. It, I like this hat a lot. So I, I'm in like a golf mood. We were at a golf course yesterday. Mm-hmm. Got to did wear you, some golf attire. Did you get out and swing? No, I don't think anybody wants me to do oh, that just yet, okay. CD. I'm, I'm right. still working with Family Golf and Learning <laughs> Center. Uh, I don't think anybody wants me near their golf course just oh. yet. I saw Adam Betts out at the... Uh, a Folds of Honor St. Louis Golf Tournament yesterday. 404 golfers. So I, uh, we wow. saw a few people. 404 golfers. 404 wow. golfers at both Whitmore courses and the Missouri Bluffs. And it moved swimmingly. The Folds of Honor people always do a fantastic job. Thanks to them. Thanks to our friends at Whitmore and at the Missouri Bluffs. It went off without a hitch and raised a lot of money for Folds of Honor here in St. Louis. And Oh, by the way, my team uh, won B-Flight. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. I, I got it. Everybody that uh, won got a decanter and a bottle of whiskey, but uh, I didn't get my bottle of whiskey. But that's okay. I, I wasn't no. going to drink it anyway. You didn't, why didn't you get your bottle of whiskey? What I happened? have no idea. We had thoughts some people. Yeah, I, I was handing out lots of whiskey to, oh. to winners, but I wasn't really counting. I was like George Bailey giving out money during uh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> you were can, I, can I just toot the horn of uh, Folds of Honor a little bit? Those are uh, the polo. Nice, huh? Very nice. Got home and pulled that out, and I was like, well, that's that's quite the little gift. It's a great organization, and if you get the opportunity to contribute, what it does is provide scholarships to the uh, the offspring and, and uh, families of fallen service members, and it really is a wonderful mission. And thanks to the folks at Folds of Honor for having us out there yesterday. The Cardinals had the Monday off after their trip to London, and hopefully they'll be okay coming back and dealing with the jet lag. There has to be jet lag, doesn't there, after the trip to London? So hopefully it won't affect them too much. Yeah, I think you get a couple of, you get a day off, and hopefully it's not too bad. You know, they, um, I don't think it's as bad as flying. I told you, Randy, we flew to Tokyo. That was yeah, that's bad. really bad. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not that, not that big of a time difference, so I don't think it'll be too bad for them. 
I mean, we just got we got to see. They got to take care of their business, regardless. I mean, World <laughs> Baseball Classic aside, yeah. flying to London yeah. aside, all the excuses we we've had and placed in front of them, they have to just put them aside and go play. It's not like they're going to start playing bad coming come <laughs> this trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say, "Oh, it's the jet lag." I don't know. Okay. Just, no, that, just yeah, what it is. That won't work. That's that's for sure. And by the way, there's two things about Houston being in town. Number one. Fromber Valdez, who goes tonight as a 2.27 ERA. And if Shane McClanahan doesn't win the Cy Young in the American League and he's out with a bad back, he's had that, meh. About a week back. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, Shane McClanahan no. of, of Tampa. But uh, Fromber uh. Valdez is 7-5 and five with a 2.27. He's thrown 99 innings. He's struck out 104. He's walked only 21. He's been superb. And the Astros have taken to me, in, in my opinion, the mantle of model franchise. They do cutting edge things like the Cardinals used to do when they started the analytics movement back in 03 when they brought Jeff Luno in. The Cardinals used to do so many wonderful things, and not that they don't still, but in terms of being ahead of the rest of baseball, they were cutting edge. And now you see a franchise like Houston go out, and everybody else uses that international market to sign 16-year-olds from Latin America. And they say, why are we stopping at 16? We're drafting 18-year-olds here in America. So they go back and they scout the kids when they're 18, 19, 20, 21, sign them, and build a starting rotation through those sorts of players. And not only do they have them in their system or on their team, but they've got them in their system too. There's more on the way. That makes sense. Yeah. That, that seems like a good game plan. Yeah, that, that'll get you to uh, winning the World Series. 2017, a little different, okay? Yeah. But then uh, <laughs> last year, winning the World Series, I think we have to say that that was legit. Do we ban trash cans when they come to town? Just throw all the trash cans away? I think that's a smart throw idea. Throw trash cans. Just no trash, trash cans. cans. Yeah. Hide all the trash cans. I yeah, like for the Cardinals. Idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I like that. So Houston and the Cardinals tonight, 645. Uh, and by the way, Uh, We're going to talk about what has transpired with social media and the Cardinals coming up here at 7.15. Talk a little bit about what's going to go on with the trade deadline coming up at 7.30. And then uh, later on in the show, we are also going to uh, talk more about uh, what you think of what has transpired over the course of the last uh, 36 hours with Adam Wainwright and social media. It hasn't been great. And we'd love to have your mic drops. And you know what? We're we're in a trust tree, and we're going to we're going to talk more about this. But I do want to know, and, and we're in the trust tree, so you can be anonymous here, if you'd like to leave us a mic drop or a text. If you tweet somebody like Adam Wainwright, who's not performing very well, and you get them, you get a response out of them. Adam Wainwright deactivated his Twitter account. How does that make your day better? <laughs> I'd like to know how it makes your day better when you go on social media and eviscerate somebody. Yes, Carrie. Misery loves company, Randy. Okay. Like if you're uh, clearly, this is my personal opinion. If you're if you're busy texting people hmm? or or tweeting people, you're miserable. You you there is something missing within you. But, and so when they respond in a manner of okay, I'm done, hmm. or they get angry and they respond. Hmm. Gotcha. I'm happy. Yeah. But okay. But what if there's no response? Like when you actually send that tweet, what's the dopamine rush when you say, you suck, you should have retired, you're a waste of money, you're garbage? It's what's the, the dopamine rush when you press send? So, you know, have you heard that when you're angry, you should type up the email, but don't hit send? Yes. It's, it's the same. It's getting it out. It's just having the words, you know, on on 
on file, on paper, mm-hmm. on on the screen, okay. so you can see them. And then most people that have, you know, that are rational, don't hit send. They just type it and then they delete well, it. But there are some irrational people that don't have a lot going, and, and, and they have to get that out okay. of their system. But I want to hear from people that actually do this and find out what, how it made your day better. That's what I want to know is how, <laughs> if you ripped Adam Wainwright on social media on Saturday or Sunday, how did that make your day better? Because obviously you do it, and you 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 were angry at the time. But how did it, and maybe it is, maybe it's like you say, Carrie, it's just an, a release of anger. Yeah. But I just wonder how that makes people feel better for their day. I think that, like you're saying, Carrie, misery loves company. They want people to be miserable just as much as they are. And look, there's a lot of great people, and you know, we'll talk about this in the next segment. There's a lot of great people who've now come forward to make sure that they're really showing their support. So that's the positive mm-hmm. to come out of this, is people who typically aren't on social media as much, aren't tweeting as much are making sure that they let Adam Wainwright know how much he is appreciated, which is what you should be doing. Taking your anger and projecting your feelings out onto others is never okay. Unless it's positive. Yes. Unless you're you're nice. Unless you're nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last night, uh, the College World Series Championship checking notes here, looking for my Pac-12 friends, looking for my Big Ten friends, looking for for the Big 12. Um, All I see is the SEC here. All I see is LSU in Florida in the the College World Series. I don't care. Are you going to let them do that? Uh, Yeah. Nothing much we can do about that. Yeah. LSU hammered Florida. So Florida had won 24-4 on Sunday. Last night, LSU won. 18-4 Eighteen to four over Florida. So uh, LSU and that family are the champions of the College World Series. <laughs> family, <laughs> we got family. With that athletic family, <laughs> champions of the College World Series. Congratulations to them. Do you think they have the LSU players call up the members of that 2020, 2012 through twenty fifteen football team? They're like, hey guys, we know you just got all your wins taken away. We got you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Oh, man. So uh, so they are the champions. And uh, Connor McDavid won the Hart Trophy last night. NHL Most Valuable Player. Blues did not get that. Uh, no. David Pasternak was second for MVP. Matthew Kachuk was third for MVP. So congratulations to Matthew. Hope you're listening this morning. Jim Montgomery, the Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year. No surprise there. Lindy Ruff of the Devil, second. Dave Haxtell of Seattle was third. And Patrice Bergeron hasn't decided to play next year or not. He won his sixth Selkie trophy as the best defensive forward in the National Hockey League. Is it is it a little concerning to you that the Blues were the only team in the league that did not have a player receive a single vote for the did, NHL Do they not have, like, Four guys in the Norris running? All-star teams or all rookie <laughs> no, teams? I read that, I read that wrong? <laughs> yes, it is concerning. That's painful. That That's painful. And, of course, it's not a surprise to anybody that watched the Blues this season, but ouch. That, that hurts. Well, and the Blues are, are going to be back, baby. And Alex Ferrario is going to be there on the ground floor of it because Alex is headed to Nashville to report live from the draft tomorrow. The Blues have the 10th overall pick, and you can tune in tomorrow night starting at 6. Alex is going to be on site from Bridgestone Arena in Nashville for the NHL draft. He'll be talking to special guests and covering everything that's happening at this year's draft. That's tomorrow night. Alex Ferrario live from Nashville starting at 6. The NHL Draft Show brought to you by Swiss Air Heating and Cooling. So this will be the ground floor of the resurrection of your St. Louis Blues. And next year, 
they will get one vote for the all-rookie team or something <laughs> just, like that. Is that the goal? Is that the goal moving forward? <laughs> at least a one vote. vote. Yeah. Notice what he said at the very end vote. there. What's the vote we're going to be for, Randy? The all-rookie team or something? Jimmy Snuggaroo. Come on down. Snugs. Jake Allen was... He set a record that'll never be broken. Perhaps tied, never broken. Jake Allen was all rookie twice. <laughs> so he, he was the all rookie goalie, but okay. didn't reach the qualifications okay. for a rookie. So the next year he was all rookie again. That's so pretty maybe, good. Maybe tied, but won't be broken. They gotta I cha- don't think so. They gotta change one That's of the bad. rules. Either you can't be eligible to win all rookie if you're not qualified to be a rookie, or if you win an all rookie award or you're making all rookie team. You're a rookie. It doesn't matter how many games you play. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you got to change one of those. And oh, by the way, Eric Carlson of San Jose won the Norris Trophy as the NHL's top defenseman. Interesting that you can be the top defenseman and just not play defense. But he uh, he, he, he shoots it. He scores it. <laughs> he does he, score. It matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it, they they should have the Bobby Orr Award. <laughs> although Bobby played defense, but they should have the Bobby Orr, Orr Award for best offensive defenseman. And then they should have the Norris Trophy for the guy who plays the best all around defense. Uh, I, I like that all around game because it has become an offensive award. It's uh, and this happens in sports many times in baseball, rather than having the most valuable player, you have the player of the year. I've always struggled to come to grips with how you can be the most valuable player in a league when your team finishes in last place. How valuable are you really? Hmm. If they take that's you a, that's off, that's a very good question. If they take you off that you're team, still, you're are still you still last, last place. Yeah, seven twelve, and Mike Trout <laughs> taking shrapnel on the show today. Oh, more Andre Dawson, oh. Andre Dawson, because in nineteen eighty seven, both Jack Clark and Ozzie Smith should have beaten out Andre Dawson for the MVP award. But uh, because Andre Dawson was in last place and he hit forty nine overs, so what? <laughs> You know what? Nobody cares. Well, I'm glad you've gotten over in these years. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't thought of it in those terms, Matthew. (laughs) Coming up here on 101 ESPN, the cesspool opened and swallowed two STL athletes over the weekend. And we want to know, A, how you feel about that as a St. Louisan, as a St. Louis fan. And B, how it makes you feel if you do it. You can leave us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app, or you can send us a text. Text line open now, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Social media and athletes next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Live from the Car Shield studio, this is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Man, you know, I got this cardinal blood running through my system, you know? If, if winning doesn't happen here, the long story for a short answer, Randy, I don't think I could go anywhere, buddy. I don't, I don't think so. That's Adam Wainwright, who has repeatedly reaffirmed his commitment through actions and words to St. Louis, to the Cardinals, to Cardinal fans. He came back for one final season, hoping that he could pitch well enough to help the Cardinals get to another World Series. He has been part of two World Championships for the Cardinals. He's going to wind up with more than 200 wins. He obviously 
had the strikeouts to get the Cardinals into the World Series and then win the World Series in 2006. He has been top five in Cy Young Award voting numerous times and has literally given his body to Cardinal fans. Not that he hasn't received a lot of money for it, but this is a guy who's not going to, because of shoulder and other issues, uh, Achilles, he's not going to go through a normal life physically. And if, if ever there was a guy that you didn't question the effort of, it's Adam Wainwright. Yet, when he performed poorly on Saturday and took... The Cardinals lost 9-1, to and he said, we lost because of me. He took all the blame. He was accountable. And yet, he got hammered and ripped on social media, not only on Twitter, by the way, on Facebook as well. And it caused that reaction, Adam Wainwright, to delete his Twitter account. It really does not speak well of Cardinal Nation that Adam Wainwright has deactivated his Twitter account. I think it, it, it says a lot for the negative passion that Cardinal fans uh, have. And passion is great. But it has to be directed in the right way. And I think I'm ashamed as a Cardinal fan of the way Cardinal fans have acted and treated this guy. We should be celebrating the stretch run of the career of Adam Wainwright like we did last year with Yadier Molina. Didn't see this rip last year for Yadier Molina when he wasn't there for half the year and struggling. Didn't see it when Ozzie Smith struggled in 1995 and then went down the stretch. Didn't see it when Bob Gibson struggled down the stretch. Now, it was a different world then. Probably wasn't as angry, and we didn't have social media. But Bob Gibson had a, a, a bad stretch run in 1975. And my guess is is that these angry people probably would have done the exact same thing, maybe even more to Bob Gibson because he was an African-American mm-hmm. man. Uh, and we didn't see it with Lou Brock, who, by the way, had a terrible second to last year and then came back and hit 300 in his last year. I think that as... Cardinal fans and were thought of as the best in baseball, we should be classy and we should celebrate great careers rather than denigrate those who are trying to perform for us. And that's the amazing thing about social media. And I tweeted this out last night. The amazing thing about social media is for the first time ever, you have complete direct access to athletes who Mm -hmm. have social media accounts. So you're able to tweet things at them, engage with them. We see athletes do that. Adam Wainwright typically engages with a lot of fans on social media. The bad part about that, not everyone deserves that access to athletes to really anybody because they have hateful intentions, hateful hearts. They're miserable people. As you said, CD, misery loves company. Yeah. And they it, they absolutely love it. They want to bring somebody down to their level. They feel, I'm assuming, whenever they tweet these things at Adam Wainwright or even other athletes, because we also are talking about Tory Krug in this segment, some mm-hmm. of the comments I've seen about Tory Krug saying that he's going to get booed on the ice if he doesn't wave his no trade clause. That's the whole point of the no trade clause is that he can invoke that. How are you going to get upset at him? You can be upset at the situation, but to tweet directly at these athletes. And I've seen it. Mm -hmm. I've seen the tweets directly at Adam Wainwright, the tweets directly at Tory Krug. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Those tweets directly at them. And yes, they do see it. I had somebody tweet at me last night saying, well, they have enough money where they can pay somebody to filter that out. 
That's not how social media <laughs> no, works. No. That's not how social media works. That's not uh, how you do that. There, Adam Wainwright has given so much to the St. Louis Cardinals in the community. You mentioned big league impact, everything that he's done with that, not just helping St. Louis, but also helping the world. He used his platform and is using his platform for good. Not many people can say that they do that. He's two wins shy of 200. Two-time Gold Glove winner, Silver Slugger, all that while wearing a Cardinals uniform, and by the way, a World Series champ, all while wearing a Cardinals uniform. That's that's dedication and giving back with this platform. Not many people can say that they do that. So I, I look at it, and and I mean, I look at it from both sides. As a former athlete, you have to take the good with the bad. I mean, when you have the same people that are cheering you when you're doing well, it's a, it's a, it can be a roller coaster. If you ride that wave and you want to be part of the highs when everyone is praising you, then when you're performing poorly, there are going to be some people that that want to troll you and and be disrespectful and be demeaning, and that comes with the territory of being an athlete. I never, Randy, we didn't have much social media. I feel like I'm an old guy, really old now. <laughs> but we didn't have, I, I, I had just gotten a Facebook page within my last couple of years of playing in the league. It wasn't something that I was heavy on. But I also never listened to the radio when I was in the car. I, in sports mm-hmm. talk radio. I never listened to, to the local media when I was at home watching TV, seeing what they were saying, if we were performing well or if we were performing poorly. It didn't matter to me because what I learned is the people that are talking about it, generally speaking, can't do it or haven't done it to the level that we're doing it. So why would I worry or concern myself with someone, um, you know, just on a keyboard, behind the screen, texting, tweeting, saying things that are demeaning to me because they would never be able to do what I'm capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And if they were in my face, they would not say those same comments. The conversation would be completely different. Oh, 100%. So it, it's not yeah. something as an athlete, and and this is speaking for any professional athlete, and this we're talking about Adam and, and, and Tori Krug. You know, it's not something that you focus on or worry about. You can't. You yeah. can't control what people are saying now. To a texter that's saying, oh, it's 1% of the fan base. How many fans do, do the Cardinals get in every year? They're 3 million? 3.4 million, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so 34,000 people, if you're talking about 1%. That's a lot of people that could be coming at you saying things disrespectfully, and now you're looking at it, and, and it is a lot. It is a lot of messages. It is a lot of things that are yeah. being said to you, and it can become overwhelming. So what do you do? You get rid of the, the the thing that is negative in your life, which is right now the social media. You move on. You don't worry about it. And I'll leave you with this one thing that, that Cardinals fans have to keep in mind. Every other player in the league pays attention to what's going on in other cities. Yes. We talk. Mm-hmm. We look at we, we look at the locker rooms when we go visit other places. Uh, that locker room is, oh, if the visiting locker room looks like this, I couldn't imagine what the what the home team locker room looks like. Oh, this is a crap. Oh, we, we, I, I know the home team isn't taken care of. I wouldn't ever want to play here as a free agent. What is the fan base like? Oh, no, those guys will turn on you really quickly. Not a place that I want to be if I have multiple options. If I only got one. Sure. <laughs> give me give me give me that one because that's the only one I got. But if I have multiple options and I know that this fan base is a certain way, I'm probably going to go in a place where I know I can win and be around people that truly care and are are 
you know, enjoying what we're doing on the field. And this is only the stuff that we're seeing publicly that people are willing to mm-hmm. put out. What I've heard from athletes, and I'm sure you have as well, CD, is the messages, the personal messages they get, where somebody will actually DM them, DM their family members. They take it to that level. DM yeah. their family members. Find people who are associated with them, make threats, and that's that's harassment. I'm not saying that that's exactly what's going on in Wayno's case. We haven't heard specifically, but I've heard those stories of when and things get taken too far when people start turning on athletes. Like people show up at a pitching coach's or a hitting coach's door? Oh, yeah. You want to tell that story? So, yeah, that's, so, uh, yeah, Jeff Albert, the Cardinal hitting coach last year, people actually showed up at his residence. You show up to my house, I'm going to pull you in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know which one. You might be the lucky winner. Yep. I'm going to pull one of you in. You standing on my doorstep? Come on in. Let's talk. So, <laughs> Now, well, one other note. We get a text from the 314 that he came back for the wrong reasons. I Adam saw Wainwright yeah. came back for the wrong reasons. Last year, he went 11 and 12 with a 3.71. He was better than average, okay, among major league pitchers. And he said that he wanted to come back to bring the Cardinals another world championship. What's your issue with that? A guy I, that pitched well last year that is coming back to try to win a, another world championship. And I'd like to he- hear back from the 314 what the wrong reason was. Did you not want to win the world championship or did you not want to have another pitcher who was above average last year? He was. And I, I think that for whatever reason, the expectation for Adam Wainwright this season is that he was going to be the savior of this team and that it's for some reason he is going to be the one that propels this team fully forward. This has been not a great year for Adam, for Adam Wainwright. We can say that. This has not mm-hmm. been a great season thus far. He has even said that. He has taken personable, personal accountability for that. But guess what? Is anybody really doing that great yeah. this season for the Cardinals I mean, other than Jordan Walker? I, yeah, I don't know how you – I mean, yes, it was a bad game. And and the thing that, that bothers me most is when fans feel like they're more um, – into it than, than the players are. Like they're more, they have more at more stake, stake in it, yeah. more stake in it than the well, players do. That, that's, that's crazy. Or to how me. about this one, Kerry? How about he should have retired? Well, you know what? I'm telling you, buddy, <laughs> the, the, I, I think you should retire today. Just I, stop. I, I don't think you're good enough at your job, so you should just retire. Don't come back. If Mr. Insurance Salesman, you suck, and I think that you should retire. The, yeah. Don't do it anymore. And if, here's the thing if somebody's going to pay you X number of dollars, you're going to do the job. What are you getting? Seventeen million. Seventeen and a half million. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go to work. Yeah, and you know what? Last year he was a seventeen and a half million dollar pitcher. Uh, Randy, I just need you to double check some things. My yeah. memory is not always the best. Okay. Did Adam Wainwright? Did he close out a World Series? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he closed he out, did. Did he close out a National League yeah, Championship yeah. Series? We should be celebrating that. Two thousand six. I, I well, think. Did we, we get a text? We, uh, some people can't handle adversity. The last couple of days have shown that between Krug and Wayno, these people have feelings and family, but they feel that these other people owe them something, and it's a shame. Mm. Am I misreading that, or is he saying that Krug and Wayno are not handling adversity very well? The, yeah, the professional the athletes that, who performed yeah. in Stanley And I just want to make it clear, Tori Krug hasn't come out and said anything. Mm, I'm just seeing it, it yeah. all over social media, yeah. and it ties into what we're seeing with Wayno to the point where Wayno deactivated his Twitter account, something that he used to connect with fans. How does he connect with fans through social media? Because he can't go out and meet every single person, even though he is very nice and approachable. He also uses it to promote big league impact. So that takes away from what another connection that he has is just to have that positive connection with fans. He has shut that down for now. And I don't blame him. I Here's the thing. I 
so many people now will say, okay, that's too soft. You're too soft. People are too soft now. This is not what this is. Bullying has never been okay. Harassing people has never been okay. Uh, Right? Like, is that? Yeah. And and the thought that, you know, it's just, it's easy. It is easy to, to get on a computer and tweet and text things and say things when you're not in someone's face. It's just... It's not it's not a tough guy thing as, as some people think it is. They, they, it's just, it bothers me because it, the way that people go about their business, it, it shouldn't be that way. But, you know, this is the world we live in. And as you said, Brooke, it's a way for fans and, and players to communicate and get, you know, get acclimated with yeah. one another. But sometimes it takes a turn for the worst. We're going to take more of your mic drops on this coming up at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, actually, no, we're going to talk to Rand Carthon at the 8 o'clock hour. But 8.15, we're going to get more of your texts. And we welcome your mic drops here to 101 ESPN. Next up, though, the Blues got ahead of the game before the NHL trading deadline. Should the Cardinals do the same? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, I think it's really twofold. Um, one would be, you know, what type of baseball deals might be out there for us? And the other is, is what types of additions are we going to look for? You mentioned the word sell. I don't anticipate us doing that at all. I think where this race is headed or where our division is headed, it's going to be remain very competitive. So really, we're going to be looking at ways that can really help this club once we identify exactly what that looks like. You know, right now, we're really putting a lot of pressure on our minor league system in terms of using that to reinforce our club. But, you know, you know, the, the fact is, is we're getting more contribution from some of our players, and that's a positive. That is Cardinals Pobo John Mozeliak. Nearly a month ago, that was Memorial Day weekend, and now we're almost at 4th of July, and the Cardinals are still struggling. And while he said at that time, we don't anticipate being sellers, and even as recently as London last weekend, as Ken Rosenthal points out, and Derek Gould had this, and so did Katie Wu and Jeff Jones, all the people that cover the Cardinals, uh, they had the quote from the weekend from Mosaic that said that the Cardinals aren't looking to blow things up, and I don't think that they should be looking to blow things up either. That being said, like I said with the Blues, when Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly and our Ivan Barbashev were about to become free agents, it's foolish for any organization to allow assets to walk out the door for nothing. Blues did that when they lost Alex Petrangelo, They and it has not worked to their advantage. They did it when they lost David Backus, and it did work to their advantage. And I'm not suggesting that the Cardinals go out and trade their best players, but I would say that if you have 
reached the point where you don't think that you can win in 2023. They've reached that point for me. They may not have reached that point for them. And you have reached a point where you either don't think that people like Jordan Montgomery or Jack Flaherty or Jordan Hicks are going to sign with you or be productive for you in the future. Then what you should do, if there is value for those players, then you should turn them into assets for the future. And I would start, if I were in Moe's shoes, the trade deadline is a month from Friday. Doug Armstrong started working ahead, and he beat everybody to the punch. He had traded Tarasenko and O'Reilly before everybody else got going and got a couple of extra number ones out of it. If I'm in Mo and Gersh's shoes, I'm going to do it that way. And I'm, I've got Libertor around. I can, I'm terrible. I can put Mats back in the rotation. But I would be very inclined if I were the Cardinals, especially with the starting pitchers, to get ahead of the rest of the group that's going to be selling because there are not many good starting pitchers out there on the market. And all of a sudden, somebody gives up assets for a Lucas Giolito. Uh, then all of a sudden, that's one less team. You want to have as many bidders as possible, and the way to do that is to be the first to do it. You know who else needs some starting pitching because they've ran into some injuries? It's the Reds. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. a team that I know that they just had a loss, but that's a team that has been doing really well. And it'll be interesting to see how they approach the tra- trade deadline, because if they're also going to go full in on this season and say, all right, we're going to we're going to make sure we have all the tools and assets. They're going to be looking for starting pitching and you're going to have to compete against that. Yeah. And so you agree. I agree with with the idea of just move guys. Move guys. I, I think. Move I think next weekend. I think start moving guys. I'm still not buying into Paul Goldschmidt being a piece that you are going to no. move. No, 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 no. You don't trade most valuable players and get return that is equivalent of said MVP. There is absolutely no chance. No chance. Especially if if you don't think the Cardinals are good at evaluating minor league players, and it's reasonable for you to perhaps think that, there's no chance that you're going to get a player as good as Paul Goldschmidt for next year or the year after if you trade him this year. No chance. Well, I mean, if you were looking for the biggest return on your investment, it would be Paul Goldschmidt. It would be a guy who's 35, about to be 36, Mm -hmm. um, won the MVP last year, but you would not expect him to continue on that pace going forward. So, if you were looking to move the biggest piece and get the best return, it would be Paul Goldschmidt. And as uh, Bowden said in this in this article, trading him to the Phillies, who are in need of a first baseman, they lost their first baseman opening day or or pre in the spring training. Yeah, spring training. Uh, uh, Reese Hopkins. So now they are in need and have been in need for a star. They were in the World Series last year. He could probably help propel them to another World Series if he were if he were there. That would be something that they would need, and Cardinals could get something in return. If you're looking for the best return on the investment, it probably would be Goldschmidt. Here's the thing, though. If you trade Paul Goldschmidt, would you be happy with a return? You're not going to win this year. But would you be happy with a return like Andrew Andrew Young, Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver? That's what the Cardinals gave up for Paul Goldschmidt. Would you be happy trading a guy who won an MVP for you for those three players and have them for the next five years? Uh, it depends on how well uh, are those players, the players that you're getting in return, are they going to be as good or better than, you know, what, what those were guys, what those guys were. So, the, the Andrew Painter, uh, the pitcher, mm-hmm. pitching prospect from the Phillies there, mm-hmm. who they are very high on, say he's got an el- elbow injury. That's the one player that they're talking about yeah. could be the be in return. Six, seven, 215 pounds righty. Yeah. Yes. If he's See. what they think he's going to be. And again, you're trading a player who 
Yes, he won the MVP last season. Mm-hmm. He's a year older. Next year, he'll obviously be a year older than that, a few years removed from being an Aust- and, uh, being an MVP. I don't think he's going to be an MVP this year. He's not playing at that level. Would you trade, let's use Andrew Painter as an example, would you trade the next three years of Paul Goldschmidt for the last five years of Jack Flaherty or Alex Reyes? No. That's what pitchers become. Every pitcher gets hurt. Yeah, but he's you don't. The thing is, you don't know. That's the that's the problem with with trades. You yeah. don't know how well a player is going to perform when you get him. You're trading something that you do know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it worked with the with the Cardinals in the opposite direction. They traded Marcelo Zuna, who had performed great. Well, they, and, they, and and they traded for him. Yeah, and re, and in return, they gave up something that they uh, an unknown commodity right. that ended up being very good. And so that's a lottery ticket. That's, that's what you're doing. That's what you're. But you're buying a lottery so ticket. It, yeah. it could work in either way. You don't know. They yeah. could be trading Goldschmidt, who could be yeah. great here and not so great there, and then you get something great in return. It's just but I can tell it's you part this. of the trade business. If you look at history, every MVP that's ever been traded in the history of baseball, it's never worked out for the team that traded the MVP. Not once. Uh-huh. No. Not once. And he's been one of your more consistent assets. I, you, you, your team, team is not – if you trade Paul Goldschmidt today, your team is not going to be better tomorrow or and next that, year. And that's what I think that that signals. If they trade Paul Goldschmidt to me, that's them conceding. That's more than just a white flag. That's them conceding that this is going to then be looking into more of a rebuild a rebuild instead of a retooling. Yeah, it's, so, that's the Pirates trading Andrew McCutcheon. I don't look at it yes. as a rebuild. I, I mean, you you – again – if you're you're getting, it is. I don't think so because that's one player, and you have probably a a person. I, I don't. He played third base, and I'm sure he could learn first base. He's been learning the outfield and Jordan Walker. I don't think it would be that hard of a transition for him to go to first base. Okay, so you, but you take away the bat. Okay, yeah. so who replaces the bat of Goldschmidt? Yo, you you're gonna have to figure some things out in the outfield, regardless. But. I don't know that I you. Just, I, you my I don't know thing that, is the bat hasn't been the issue for the Cardinals. It's been the pitching. So if you yeah. can. Yeah. Pitching has been pitching, pitching has pitching, been an issue. If we had to pick one or the other, which one would you say has been yeah, more it, of an it's issue? Pitching, and if if you could get an established, if you could get a Shane McClanahan from Tampa, then I'm all aboard. If I could get a Valdez from Houston, and Houston, by the way, has had struggles offensively, then then I would look at it. I want a guy that's capable of winning a Cy Young Award next year, though. If I'm going to give up the MVP. Yeah, you, 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 I, but, I want an award winner for an award winner. That's the only thing. There are no guarantees. Especially if you're trading well, for prospects. The, the one thing that over the last decade, there there are very few guarantees in baseball. One, yeah. of, is, is it, one of them is that Paul Goldschmidt's going to be great. I, <laughs> but, but, but one thing that's also guaranteed, at some yeah. point, with all great players, comes time, comes age, at some point, it's going to fall yeah. off. And I'm when not that anxious. happens, yeah, I'm not when anxious that happens, we him. don't know. Yeah. We don't know. So yeah. it would be best to, if you were, again... It's going to be the most return for your investment, for your yeah. trade, if you were to trade Paul Goldschmidt in comparison to Flaherty, yeah. Montgomery, or Hicks. And with as angry as Cardinal fans now, if you give them five years of what the Pirates have been because you completely disassemble, you're going to have, you'll have Pittsburgh crowds. Don't you guys think, too, that if you move Paul Goldschmidt, that that also signals that you're going to get rid of, or Nolan Arenado is not going to stay? Yes. Yeah, but but he's here for five more years. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's locked in. And Goldie's got the no trade. But I, I, if I'm the Cardinals, there's no way I even consider moving Paul Goldschmidt. And by the way, if you try to, it's kind of like the Krug thing. Everybody else in baseball is going to look at it and say, hey, they gave the guy a no trade contract and then they, they traded him. Uh, so I, I think there's myriad issues that the Cardinals would have if they tried to trade the MVP. I just, I don't think trading MVPs is a, is a positive way to approach life. 
And, and again, I don't think it's the, the best decision, but if they were to trade someone and wanted the most for their return, it would be him. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. I don't think it should happen. But if you are if you are looking to get you ahead of the game, yes. Let me just give you five names. I'll just give you these five names as we close out this segment. Mateo Gill, Troy Lo- Tony Losey, Jake Summers, Austin Gomber, Elahuris Montero. Those five names are the names <laughs> that the Cardinals traded for Nolan Arenado. How old was he when they traded for him? Uh, 30. Yeah. So pro- highly productive player. He was coming off an injury, by the way. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that was years, a no-brainer. Later. Yeah. So I, I like having good players. Coming up next, it's Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. To you only next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Carrie, Randy, Matthew, we welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! All right, uh, guys, take it or leave it. Cardinal Nation would be on board with consecutive finishes of 4th, 3rd, 5th, 4th, 6th, 6th, 5th, 4th. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. Okay. Yeah. What? It, you had no, did you have any firsts in there? Oh, uh, no. Okay. No. Right. Now, to their credit, that's what Houston did. But I think, number one, that is not a very passionate fan base. I think it would be very difficult for Cardinal fans to stomach uh, losing 89, 75, 88, 86, 106, 107, 111, 92 games. I think that that would be very difficult for this fan base to to deal with. And I think much of it would be gone. Yeah, I, I, w- I would take that. Uh, take it or leave it. By the All-Star break, we will be minus three pitchers that are on this staff. I'm going to leave it, but I will go with two. Two? Yep. I'll go with two. Two of the starters? Yep. I don't. I think Jordan Hicks will be here next year. I agree. I think I think they're going to work something out. He's a, you don't let, it's just when you're that talented, you don't let that type of talent walk out right. the door. No, no, not, a, not at all. And also, I so think. So now that, we're not letting talent walk out the door. <laughs> not not 27 <laughs> year old, 104 <laughs> miles per hour talent. Well, you get to be in 30, Brandy, 35, 36. Carrie, rephrase it young talent. <laughs> young, young talent. talent. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right, take it or leave it, guys. The NHL continues to do such a poor job of promoting their big events. We all know that the draft is happening this weekend or this week in Nashville. We know that, right? Yeah. But I don't know yeah. if that's just because of all the news surrounding it, trade possibilities, everybody, the excitement of who their team is going to draft. One thing I didn't know until literally it started last night, and I was like, wait, why are there all these people all dressed up? What's happening? I didn't even know the NHL awards were happening. Take it or leave it, the NHL does such a bad job of promoting just their big events. Take it. Yeah, I'll take it. I, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it because maybe you you don't have to go out and 
post a bunch of stuff, but just make it clear the order of events of things yeah. that you have going on. And then I started watching a little bit of the show and it was boring. And so maybe that's why they didn't want to promote it. I don't know. <laughs> not exciting? No, it, it was it was not. I'll, I'll send you some clips because there was some awkward moments. They had like a child interview and then Connor McDavid and those it just some awkward moments happened. Yeah, that's too bad. All right. The text line is open. Matthew, what do you got? You got a smile on his face. <laughs> take it or leave. The opening drive asks Wayno about his social media accounts tomorrow. Take it. Take it. Absolutely. I'll take it. What do you think? What? Do you, what come on, man. What do you think yeah. we're, we're scared? We're going to ask him the about audio the best from, tea in London. The audio from Wayno, from Wayno is because Randy asked him, hey, if somebody comes calling at trade deadline, you want to leave? Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, One thing about Adam Wainwright. He'll answer anything. He'll answer. He's. Uh, I met Adam Wainwright in 2004. And so I've known him for, what, almost 20 oh years, right? It's crazy. So I, uh, he knows that he can trust me, and I know what I should ask as a professional and should not ask. And so I, that's, that's a part of his professional life. And so he's, he'll be more than willing to a- answer that question tomorrow. You're saying you just can't go up to him and be like, hey, what, what's going on yeah, this what, season? Yeah, why, what, what makes why you is- think you should be a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball? <laughs> why would you take that $17.5 million? You did it for the wrong reasons. I, I keep seeing that over and over again on social media about real questions. I'm like, what? Is, that's not a real question. That's, what kind of thing is that? Take it or leave it. We should trade Goldschmidt only because it will be impossible for the front office to build a competitive rotation before he retires. So mm. now we have faith in the Cardinals' ability to evaluate minor league players. Okay, got it. No, you just let other organizations do it and you trade the best player to go get him. The Cardinals didn't do a very good job of, uh, of uh, evaluating their own minor that's league what, players. That's what I'm saying. You let someone else evaluate. Yeah, okay. In fairness to one of the two articles we already uh, talked about, Ken Roosevelt did actually, in saying they should trade Goldschmidt, mm-hmm. did say it with the caveat of because they're so good at developing young talent, they should do this. Mm-hmm. So he at least included that caveat and gave them that benefit of the doubt. So you, I don't think basically been- he wants to just do a salary dump then. Uh, that's fine. If you if you if that's where you're headed, go do a I salary. I don't think you're trying to that dump salary. Well, that's kind of part you're of just the trying argument. to get if, better. If you're, if you're developing your positions. own guys to replace him, and you aren't counting on getting return, it sounds like a salary dump to me. Hmm. Uh, you're not. Hey, you're not wrong. Uh, take it or leave it. U.S. soccer is even worse than the NHL marketing. Did you know that they play here tomorrow? <laughs> That's right. I do know they play here. And I found out just because a fan was like, Yeah, yeah, I'm going on on Wednesday. And I was like, I was like, oh my god, the Colorado games not Saturday. I thought it was Saturday. It's like a little secret. It's like a speakeasy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you just yeah, kind of have to yeah, know. Yeah, it's a it's a little it. trendy, you know, it's like <laughs> a, you gotta kinda hear here's through the, the grapevine. Uh, here's the thing. I love soccer. I love the United States men's national team. I can't I get that like up in arms about CONCACAF stuff. Mm. Like I just I like I don't think I can say CONCACAF. CONCACAF. <laughs> there you go. CONCACAF. CONCACAF. Okay. Cool. That's who sent you the uh the 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 gift, isn't it, Rock? CONCACAF. You get a gift oh, from yeah, CONCACAF. They, yeah, they yeah. like a, a little notepad something yeah. like that. Take it or leave he's, it. He's th- important. Take it or leave it. The big thing people are leaving out of the Paul Goldschmidt trade is that the defense would get worse. Yes, it would. 
Mm. Dramatically. It's been pretty bad this season, though, to be fair. It ain't been. This is the thing that is troubling to me. It's like we're it's like people aren't watching this team play baseball. I mean, they they ain't great. But is it because of Goldschmidt or is it because of the outfield? It's not because of Goldschmidt. Their their defense did go from, from worst to first when he arrived. It's because of a multitude of things. And if you can trade one player and get a multitude of things to fix those things that are broken, eh. See, and, I personally and again, want to blame I don't, I don't the catcher. think that he should. Yeah, here we, yeah, there we go. Because yeah. he, oh. you know, what, we talked about uh, this. We moved on from that. Ready? We talked about. You know what I saw in that in that London series? It was it was so amazing. Uh, steal from the Cubs. What he he did something that mm-hmm. that normally doesn't get done in baseball. He shook off the catcher. No. He threw a pitch yeah. that he wanted to throw with conviction and struck out the batter to end the inning. It was it was. You can do so, that. Yeah, I didn't know. I, didn't, I thought that was against the rules. I, I didn't I know you could so. shake them off and, and throw your own pitch. How about that? That's amazing. That's amazing. Hmm. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, Kerry's former teammate, Brooks general manager, and a former St. Louis Rams exec, Ran Carthen, the uh, general manager of the Tennessee Titans, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Back-to-back 20-yard plays. It's Derrick Henry making a cut. Inside the five and in for the touchdown. Pass Brandon Faison. Yeah, and that's one thing you love to do when you've got an elite level back. Get everybody swarming inside. You bounce it outside one-on-one with a corner. And the way we think about this, if if your corner can tackle your running back, then we need another running back. With... Nashville native, Brooke Grimsley, and Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And joining us now on the celebrity line is a former teammate of Kerry Davis with the Indianapolis Colts. Also a member of the St. Louis Rams front office. And now the general manager of the Titans, Rand Carthon, who joins us on 101 ESPN. Rand, good morning. How are you doing? Top of the top, how we doing? That lead-in was great hearing Derek score a touchdown. We need to hear that a lot this season. Yeah, Rand, what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How you doing, you sound man? Sound like you just waking up. We didn't we didn't call you too early, did we, bro? No, man, it's all good. You know, I was I was prepared, so I'm just down here in Miami. Oh, I have a, okay. I have a, a little summator, but gotcha. you know, my, my my guy Kerry calls, so I have to answer. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I was wondering, man, you you have been doing this this front office thing for a number of years. You got done playing, went went straight into the front office. How is it your first time as a general manager going through the draft? How has that experience been for you? Man, it's been um, eye-opening. Um, you know, I was just talking to, <clears throat> excuse me, I was talking to a group of friends last night, and we were just, you know, everybody wants to know how the experience has been, and it's, you know, I, I've been blessed to have some of the mentors and teachers that I've had, and so I pay attention, and so a lot of it's, you know, been about what I expected um, it to be, um, but a lot of it too, man, it's 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 new. And just, um, you know, learning what the job is all about. But, again, I'm in a blessed position because I got a partner, you know, in Mike Vrabel that's been here, that's done it. 
And so if there's ever a question, you know, that I have, I got someone to, you know, to my immediate side that I can ask questions about and help keep me on track. I'm glad you brought up Mike, because most people might not know your dad was an NFL coach for a long time. Why front office as opposed to coaching? Well, people don't know this. My dad originally wanted to do front office Mm -hmm. and he wanted to scout. And so uh, Coach Parcells didn't give him that option. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> hey, you're, you're going to coach. And then, and that was that. And so, you know, going all the way back to college, personnel was something that my dad always steered me towards. Well, I wanted to ask you, I'm a huge Titans fan, as Randy mentioned and Carrie mentioned. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. So welcome to Nashville. I hope you're really enjoying it. Sounds like you've been busy. I know the Titans fans back there in Tennessee are really excited to have you. And I have to ask you about Derrick Henry. He's one of my favorites. Everybody seems to love him. Fan favorite as well. And for good reason. It's been great to see him get back to 100% after getting injured last season. It seems that other NFL teams are starting to move away from the value of building around a running back. But you guys, the Titans, aren't why is that I mean it's it's Derrick Henry you know and it, and, it, and it you know he's you know one of the preeminent players like in our league and at his position you know and um, I mean you look at at Mike and what he's known throughout his career you know dating back to college and some of the backs he played with in college and you know the success they had in New England when he was there and the, the type of People, you know, people see the Patriots and what it evolved to, right, with Tom Brady and then, you know, them acquiring Wes Welker and Randy Moss. But people forget in the earlier part of those championship teams, it was built on a strong running game and a strong defense, you know. And so, um, you know, Mike has his philosophy and, you know, me being a running back and Kerry being a running back, you know, we're always partial. You know, Always. To our, you know, to our running backs. I remember doing a uh, press conference uh, earlier and they were talking about the running game and all oh, moving away from the running back position. I was like, hey, what we're not going to do is <laughs> we're not going to demean the running back position for one second. But, you know, again, man, having a player, a, a workhorse like Derrick Henry, it's, you know, it makes your job a, a little easier. You know, and we still have to support him, you know, both up front and build a, building around him. But, you know, again, Derek is one of the preeminent players of our league. Just to follow up to that, why do you think that the running back position is being devalued so right now, so much right now in the current NFL picture? Um, you know, I think it's just like anything else. I think it goes in cycles. You know, there was a time, you know, a few years ago where, you, you know, you weren't allowed to take a back you know, in the, in the first round. And, you know, it's it's like I've said before, you know, it, it's, you know, when the weather's great in September and October, you know, it's easy to throw the ball up and down the field um, and play kind of fast break offense. But, you know, when you playing in cold weather cities and it gets, you know, January or December and the weather elements, you know, call for you to, have to be able to run the ball. You you better have somebody back there that you can turn around and give the ball to, you know, to help move your offense. If you look at, um, I lean on my experience in San Fran, you know, and what we were able to do with different backs. And you look at that playoff game that we had against Green Bay. Um, can't remember if that was like maybe the 21 season. Um, well, we go to Green Bay and Green Bay is throwing the ball up and down the yard, you know, that year with Aaron Rodgers. And then we play them in a playoff game and it's snow and the elements, you know, call for us to both teams to have to run the ball, you know, and that kind of 
led into, you know, our hands and helped us out and allowed us to win the game and go further in the playoffs. We're talking with Rand Carthon, Titans general manager. And, Rand, you talked about supporting Derrick Henry. You all had a uh, pretty good receiver in there a couple of weeks ago. There's no one listening. (laughs) So if you feel like telling us any insider information about DeAndre Hopkins, feel free to, sir. I mean, you said nobody's listening, so there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> you know, we're, I mean, again, in, in all fairness, like we're all always looking to improve our roster however we can. And, you know, a player like D Hops, you know, a player of his caliber came available. And, you know, again, it's, you know, we, ha- we have Mike Vrabel. Guys want to play for Mike Vrabel. And, you know, D Hop had a relationship with, with Mike Vrabel. And, allowed us to get a visit, you know, from there we'll see, you know, we'll see what's what, but we're going to always, you know, try to explore adding good football players to our team. Ran, you mentioned earlier that uh, your dad was kind of put into coaching by Bill Parcells, and because I witnessed the Bill Parcells success period with the Giants, a lot of, he's a very wise man, a lot of Bill Parcells quotes wind up on these airwaves how much of what you are and and what your dad is was influenced by bill parcells uh, pretty much 100 percent. you know uh, those that know will tell you the nature of my dad and bill's relationship um you know and especially around the time that my dad signed with the giants from the usfl was also around the time that my grandfather passed away and so Bill became, you know, like a father figure to my dad, as he did with most of his players. And so, you know, a lot of what my dad, his core philosophies of, of football, you know, come from Bill and were passed down to me. Um, you know, I was blessed to build my own relationship with Bill and can get him on the phone. And, you know, like, you know, like I'm sure Kerry said many times on air, and he's probably shared with you guys Coach Dungey stories. You know, to 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 be in a position where I can call a, a Bill Parcells or a Tony Dungy for advice, like you can't beat it. You know, and and you 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 get you put yourself in positions where you're like, nah, I don't want to bother him. Hmm. You know, but if you say that to either of those two men, they'll get offended that you didn't call. You know, and so having someone like you know Coach Parcells is is been invaluable. And and you said earlier you have been blessed to have uh, so many great uh, mentors and teachers. Who's at the top? And you just mentioned two of them with Parcells, obviously your father, but uh, Parcells and, and Tony Dungy. But in this particular job, for the job of GM of the Titans, who are your main influences? My main influences, I lean on, you know, the places that I've come from. So, you know, to have a guy like John Lynch, you know, which you, you know, you learn about leadership, you know, you learn about, um, you know, being a human in this business and bringing a human um, aspect to what we do. And a guy like Les Snead, who's an outside-the-box thinker, a guy who's going to, you know, push the envelope and find creative ways to do things, um, you know, guys like them. And, you know, again, there are current GMs um, that I have built up, you know, good relationships with, you know, the Chris Greers in Miami and, uh, Howie Roseman and Brandon Bean and Martin Mayhew, you know, all people I've developed, you know, relationships with. But then there are also uh, mentors that aren't in the business of football. Well, the game of football, you know, and I, I look at, you know, uh, relationships with uh, the executive vice president um, of the 49ers, Parag Marate. 
um, uh, Rudy Klein Thomas, who's a private equity investor. Um, and, you know, guys like Marvin Ellison, you know, the chairman of Lowe's, like you, like everybody thinks, you know, GM and you think football and it, you know, it, it encompasses a lot of things, but one of the aspects that it encompasses, you know, on the business side, you know, so there's a business element to it. And, you know, a guy like myself, that wasn't my background. So I have to seek mentors in that space to help, you know, broaden my horizons. So, Rand, you and I met almost 20 years ago at a now no, no longer. You say, you, you, you say don't say that too loud. <laughs> at a no longer uh, existing all-star game. And then we became teammates with the Indianapolis Colts together. Which one was more exciting, getting that call um, to become an NFL player or getting that call to become an NFL GM? Well, I don't know if you remember this, and I remember this vividly, and Carrie may have never shared this on, on air, <laughs> but cut down night of our rookie year, Carrie and I were together. Yeah. <laughs> and we we went to Applebee's in, in, in Indianapolis, <laughs> and we were told that if you don't get a call by 9 a.m., um, at 9 p.m., then we'll see you tomorrow. And so we were literally trying to fill our time up, you know, and yeah. where we lived at the time, they were bringing the van through for every guy that they were cutting. And so it was it was a level of fear. You didn't want to get caught outside in the van, see you just in case they forgot you. <laughs> I do remember that. And so we, we snuck off. We went to Applebee's. We snuck back in the room, and we're just sitting there. And then finally we called Aaron Moorhead who was Kerry's teammate in college, and he's now the receivers coach of the Eagles. And we were like, hey, like, we haven't gotten a call. And he was like, well, you guys made it. (laughs) And I remember the two of us just, like, two grown men, two young grown men at the time, just standing there hugging. Yeah. Like, man, we made it. (laughs) Two two undrafted guys. And to to be honest with you, getting the call I was in two different I was in two different positions mm-hmm. right so the when that when the, the moment I just talked about we were together you know you were a friend somebody that you know you just built a good relationship with but then when I got the call to you know them offer me the job I was in an airport terminal because mm. you know, I had just finished my second interview I'm in an airport terminal full of strangers <laughs> and so I can't react <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it, I, I didn't get to have what I call my draft day moment, you know, where I jump up and I'm screaming and everybody in the living room, you know, so I'm literally tucked off in a corner, you know, hunched over, like talking to Miss Amy, trying to hide the excitement so people in the in the terminal would know what was going on. Man, you better than me, brother. I'd have been shouting and letting everybody know, hey, I got a job. And, <laughs> no, and, and trust me, that, and the, the funny part was they called, you know, they were like, hey, we can send somebody back to pick you up, you know, and bring you back over to the building. And I was like, no, I'm going home. <laughs> and so I literally jumped on a four and a half hour flight back to San Francisco. And so I was able to have that moment when I got home, but it was, you know, almost six hours later. Right. Well, brother, we appreciate your time, man. I know you got a long off season and good luck this year. I will be in Nashville at some point. I'm coming down there. I will let you know ahead of time and we're going to catch up. I oh, mean, you you know you welcome anytime, and you guys are you guys are, are lucky to have you know Carrie, and I'm sure people have, have told you that um, you 
if you ever get an opportunity, you should get Gene Huey, who was our running back coach, <laughs> long-time running back coach. You should get him on air. And I don't know if he's ever told you this, Kerry, but he always says that you and I were his two favorite rookies that he's ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, and that says a lot because of some of the guys that he's coached. So Kerry's always been my brother. Um, you know, we we haven't talked much but is one of those people that, you know, you don't have to talk to every day, but when you when you do get together, you pick up where you left off. So Indeed. anything for anything for you, dog. I appreciate it, bro. Have a good day. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you, Rand. Rand Carthon, the general manager of the Titans here on 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got our bird watch. We'll have little birdie sounds next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. It is time for the Bird Watch. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy. And I'll get things started. So there's a, a apparently a desire on the part of some Cardinal fans to disband the, the veterans and go with kids and try to finish in fourth, well, no, fifth, for several years in a row to get high draft picks. And I look at tonight's opponent. I look at the Houston Astros, who won the World Series in 2017. Their first World Series was in 2017. And if you weren't listening earlier, they had a lot of last-place finishes to make their way to that World Series. However, some of those last-place finishes led to pitchers like Brady Aiken and Mark Appel, who were the first pick in the draft by the Houston Astros. They had already drafted George Springer by the time Jeff Luno got there, so he wasn't part of their rebuild process. They did get Alex Bregman with a second pick in the draft. This is their last game of the 2017 World Series, their lineup. Jose Altuve was signed before... Jeff Luno got there by their previous general manager, Ed Wade. They did take Carlos Correa with the first pick in the draft. So Bregman and Correa were keys. Otherwise, big money free agent in Yuli Gurriel. Uh, trade for Brian McCann. Marwin Gonzalez came from a- another organization. He had been with three organizations before. Free agent Josh Reddick and... Uh, Later in the draft, they had taken uh, Lance McCullers, but they used Charlie Morton in that game as well. Usually when you try to rebuild like the Astros did when they won a World Series or the Cubs did the year before, when they won a World Series, there are certain things that you can do with the draft, but you wind up spending big money anyway. So why not? Use the players that you already have that are good and try to get over the top with additions rather than try to develop players who maybe have, well, no, not even a 50% chance of succeeding. When you look at the teams that have gone to tanking and done so for five or six years and been terrible for five or six years and then that have come back to win, those teams without fail succeed after spending a bunch of money to get over the top. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a multi, it's different ways you can get it done, and I think the Cardinals' way has been tried and true. They've done it for an, for an, for a long time and had had success with it. I don't think you just ditch it and, and decide to go in a different direction. I think what they have done, you know, has worked well for them. Maybe you tweak some things a little bit for them, but you know, ditching it and going in a different direction, I don't think is a, is the best way or the best solution. And by the way, 
Cardinal Nation didn't become a thing, and I know there's a, a lot of young people listening, and we appreciate that. Cardinals never drew $3 million until 1987. I remember being at Willie McGee's debut in 1982. The Cardinals had, had the best record in baseball, or in the National League, in the National League East, actually, in 1981, strike-shortened season. Willie comes up in May of 1982, and there's 14,000 people in the stands. The, this was not a thing until they really got it going in the mid-80s because they had not won in the 70s. And I'm absolutely convinced that if the Cardinals don't win, these best fans in baseball will not be the best fans in baseball anymore. Oh, <laughs> they're 100 Very they're, angry. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, I think they're fans of winning and fans of having a product that wins every year. But I don't think that Cardinal fans would say, oh, I want to go and watch this young team that's growing but is going to lose 111 games this year. I don't think mm-hmm. people are going to show up to the tune of $3.4 million for that. Not if they're losing. I mean, this, no. is a, this is a town where they are accustomed to getting wins and seeing wins, and if they're not having that success, it's going to be hard for, for people to be out there and watching them. Yep. Yeah, and I think you're not going to go out and win a World Series every single season, but at least making it deeper in the playoffs and showing that you're gathering those pieces Mm -hmm. that you can improve each year. Mm -hmm. Especially when you have guys like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato on the team. (laughs) I just combined the names. How about that? that? I liked it. Naranato. (laughs) Naranato. That's his new nickname now. (laughs) So we were talking earlier about Paul Goldschmidt and the the possibilities of him being traded. And again, I'm not a fan of trading your all-star, your MVP caliber player, your guy that won the MVP last year. But I, I have said this, that if you are looking for the best return on your trade, it would be trading Paul Goldschmidt. And the reason being... We, we, we talked about age, and I, I looked at some numbers. After the age of 35, there have only been a few people who have won an MVP. You got Mike Schmidt, who won it in 30, mm-hmm. 37. You got Willie Stargell, 39. You got Barry Bonds, but do we count? Barry Bonds won it four oh, times, no, 36, no. 37, 38, and 39. Do we, do we, do we put him in that, in that category? I don't think we can. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> we can either. So when you're looking at a player who is at a certain age, Still playing well, but the MVP caliber of that player is not, it's not likely. And so what you would get in return for Paul Goldschmidt would be a haul. You would get prospects, top prospects. You would get probably a couple of starters that could help you right now. And it would help your team, not today, not this year, but going forward, your team could be much better than it was what what it would be with a couple of more years of Paul Goldschmidt playing at a high level. The, the best trades come when you trade a player a year earlier than you should have. And I'm not saying that anyone wants Paul Goldschmidt to not be here playing first base and doing what he's doing, but if this team is not having success, it's really no point in continuing down this path. It will be time to get younger and get more prospects and get better in that in that way. And the last time an MVP was traded, it was Mookie Betts, who went to How? the Dodgers along with the David Price salary dump. How old was um, Mookie. Mookie, when that trade was made, that was after his... Let me get it for you. Uh, that was after his age 25 season. There he, got, he got eight to ten more years of good baseball. So, the, so there you go. So he's got eight to ten more years of, of good baseball at 25 years old. And the Red Sox get back in return Jeter Downs, who's got a zero batting average for Washington now. <laughs> Connor Wong, who has done nothing at the major league level. And Alex Verdugo, who is a nice player, but certainly doesn't rise to the level of Mookie Betts. Yeah. And that's what they got for a 25-year-old MVP. I wouldn't have mm-hmm. traded a 25-year-old MVP. No. Not me. But a 35-year-old, again, 
it's nothing. It's it's not a personal thing when you're looking at this team and what they need. They have a lot of holes that they need to fill, and Paul Goldschmidt is is one spot. If you can trade him and get a lot of pieces back. Again, I don't think that they should, but if they were trading anyone trying to get the best in return, it would be him. And the again, the likelihood is, based upon the trades of Betts, Arenado, Goldschmidt, McCutcheon, that you wind up with guys that never even play for you. It's possible. Yep, or you probable. Might, you might end up with uh, Sandy Alcantara. My bird watch is the thing that I think is consistently the problem for the Cardinals this season. And I've been saying it over and over again, starting pitching. And now I'm going to put Jordan Montgomery out of this conversation a little bit because June has been a great month for him. If that's one person, you're talking about getting a haul. Jordan Montgomery might be a name that you have to dangle out there to see if you can get some value with that because he has been great. That would be tough losing him. But once again, he's a score, a Scott Boris client. So you might lose him anyways because he's going to test the waters and free agency but the st louis starters are continuing to kind of trend down when we're looking at combined era they have a 4.87 era for the season ranking 25th overall and by the way the reds we talked about them earlier that they might be looking for starting pitching as well they do have a worse starter era uh as well almost six at that at that point but Something that's really interesting, too, because Ken Rosenthal talked about this in his article when it came to Moselock and the way that he spent his money. He said Moselock in the past decade rarely has spent wisely. So according to Spot Track, the 2023 Cardinals rank the they rank third in the majors and starting pitching spending with 66 million. So when you're looking at your return on that, that's not great, guys. Yeah, no. Not not great at all. And again, if you 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 hit the nail on the head, Brooke. You have to. They have to spend wisely and and go about it in the right direction, in the right right way. And at times, it just hasn't been. No, you know, the the free agent signings haven't hit. Um, the trades, a couple of them have have done extremely well. You got Nolan Arenado. You got Paul Goldschmidt. Those are 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 you know you hit you hit the lottery on those two. But then you trade a few pieces away that are playing extremely well for other other teams. So. Trading and, and, and free agency, I think, can be a crapshoot depending on how you go about it. Obviously, you want to evaluate the talent. You want to make sure you're getting the right people in. But, you know, sometimes people don't perform well in different cities. 5.91 ERA for the Reds, by the way, for their starters. Not great. Not That's great. not great at all. Not, not great. But they also average more runs per game than St. Louis. Do you think that the Cardinals would trade anyone in their division? Because I don't yes. think they you, you think so? Yeah, I think you they think would. they would trade Jordan Montgomery to the Reds and get what in return? What are you getting back? Prospects? Again, it's a lottery ticket. That's if you're making a deal. By the way, there was also an MVP traded the year before Mookie Betts, Giancarlo Stanton, and the haul that the Yankees got for the 27-year-old MVP who had just hit 59 home runs was Starlin Castro, who hasn't played since 2021. Uh, Jorge Guzman, who's back with the Marlins in their minor league system, and uh, Jorge, uh, oh, no, Jose Devers. And Jorge Guzman is with in the Giants minor league system. Mm. So that was the haul six years ago that the Marlins got for another MVP that got traded. Uh, again, it, it, it is a crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to get back. That's but, why I like what I get from Paul Goldschmidt. But you only got a few more years of that from him. I'd rather try to win. Does he I have do a no-trade clause? He does have a no-trade oh, okay. clause. Okay. I would think the Cardinals would sooner extend Goldie than trade him. I could see that. Yeah. he's He'll, he'll have a, a Matt Holiday-type 
career here, and he'll be the uh, middle of the lineup guy until the end of his his run here. At least forty. Uh, no, probably. Have till you seen that man? He is. He, I don't think he has seen or touched sugar or sodium <laughs> in like the past decade. Yeah, that's good for no. him. Yeah, he's. I could say that he's a pretty good player. <laughs> you said I wish I could say. <laughs> Coming up next, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Nick. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing good. well. Doing great. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Actually, just I we're am, actually yep. going to call him Other Nick the whole. Yeah, the other Nick. Other Nick. Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> and I'm, I'm listening to the radio, and you guys go, Nick, are you there? And no one's responding. And I'm yelling at the radio. I'm like, you haven't called me yet. <laughs> no, I'm not there. <laughs> you haven't. Called. And then I hear this little voice coming. I'm like, how did they find a different Nick so quickly? <laughs> it happens, man. We got a lot of texts that come in every day. So I know. you're on today, and you're, you're, you said you're ready. I'm ready, yep. All right, here we go. Over the weekend, Reds rookie sensation Ellie De La Cruz hit for the cycle. Who is the last Cardinals rookie to hit for the cycle? Is it John Mabry, Joe Torre, or Ray Lankford? Oh, uh, what was the first one you said, John Mabry? Yep. I go, John. Happy birthday to Jimmy Ballgame. Edmonds played for four of the five current National League Central squads in his career. Which one did he take his last 29 regular season at bats for? Is it the Reds, the Cubs, or the Brewers? I feel like it was the Cubs. Cubs, yep. I'm going to Cubs. Which is the only metro area that has all major pro fran- all major pro franchises named after the state instead of the cities? So that's Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and NHL. Is it Arizona, New York, or Minnesota? Do you, do you say the question again? Which is the only metro area that has all of its major pro franchises named after the state instead of the cities? Is it Arizona, New York, or Minnesota? So it's Minnesota. Across Patrice Bergeron's six-time Selkie run, run 12 years, only one other Ford has won the award multiple times. Who is it? Alexander Barkov, Anze Kopitar, or Jonathan Tapes? Mm, I have no idea. Uh, Kopitar. All right, we will double-check that score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. All right, other Nick, how you feel? <laughs> uh, not, not great. Not great? Not great? No, not, not great. Yesterday, I would have been much better yesterday. Oh, so see what okay. happens. It, it happens like yeah. that every time. I know. People <laughs> always are, are like four for four when they're listening to the radios, and then when they call in, it's it's a little tougher. 
I swear, it's how it is every time. <laughs> Randy is in walking in with his Diet Dr. Pepper as he tries to fix his beats by Dre. We got to get Dre on the phone. Yeah, we do. No this, doubt about it. Dre, we got to. We got to. This is unfortunate. Uh, the other thing I could, I was thinking of, CD, is perhaps Gorilla Glue. Uh, that would that would hold it. Oh, right. You know what? It'd fit this show. Maybe just some duct tape. There you go. <laughs> duct tape it together. Yeah. Randy, say hello to Nick. Not Nick. the Nick from yesterday. Nick from today. Oh, new Nick. Good new morning. Nick. How you doing? That's even better. New Nick. <laughs> like Good. How are you guys? Other Good. Better. Thanks for playing. <laughs> All right, Randy. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Over the weekend, Reds rookie sensation Ella Dela Ella Dela Cruz hit for the cycle. Who was the last Cardinals rookie to hit for the cycle? Mm. Last Cardinal rookie to hit for the cycle. This is a good one. So it wasn't Mark Zalonic. It wasn't Willie, who did it in 1984. Um, Mabry did it in Colorado. Let's see. That he would have been a rookie in about ninety six. I'll do the lifeline here, CD, just in case. Wow, the first Early. one. Yeah. All right, yeah. all right, Rock, John Mabry, Joe Torrey, or Ray Langford. It had to be John Mabry because Langford never hit a cycle for the Cardinals, and Joe Torrey wasn't a rookie for the Cardinals. Happy birthday to Jimmy Ball game. Mm-hmm. Edmonds played for four of the five current National League Central squads in his career. Which one did he take his last 29 regular season at bats for? <laughs> I believe he was with the Reds at the end of his career. I think he and Scott Rowland might have been together there, actually. Walt brought him into Cincy. Which is the only metro area that has all of its major pro franchises named after the state instead of the city? Well, top of mind for me, obviously, is Arizona, but you have the Phoenix Suns. But you also have the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Minnesota Wild, the Minnesota Twins, and the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm going to go with the uh, the land of 10,000 lakes, Minnesota. Across Patrice Bergeron's six-time Selkie run, 12 years, only one other Ford has won the award multiple times. Who is it? Okay, it wasn't Ryan O'Reilly. So uh, six in 12 years, probably, or something like that. Who's the only other guy to win it twice? And I already used my lifeline. I will go, let me just think about this. It might be pretty obvious, but then again, it might not. Um, Let's see. Boston, Washington. Um... The Blues never had a guy. Um, you know who won at least one was, um, as Learn has referred to him, uh, Jonathan Toes. Um, <laughs> what, they, they like feet over there, huh? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I'm going to, uh, just because they were prolific and it's many times a popularity contest, and he was good defensively, man. I'll go with Jonathan Taves. There's something about Knicks because we got a tie. Ooh. A uh, 2-2 tie. Today, yesterday, was a 3-3 variety, so a 2-2 tie. Let's go through the, the uh, process really quickly just to make sure everyone knows. Nick, I'm going to say the question out loud. Randy Carricker is going to get a minute to write down his answer. Then, after he finishes writing down his answer, we will get your answer, Nick. Randy will say out his answer out loud, and then whoever is closest to the pin is going to win this fight. Nick, do you understand those rules? I do, yep. Randy, do you understand those rules? I understand them, yes. Do you have your paper? Are you ready? I do. I'm ready. Okay. Let me make sure my Sharpie works. 
Okay, Bob I'm good. Gibson finished his career with 251 wins. How many of those came in relief? Bob Gibson finished his career with 251 wins. How many of those came in relief? Or as a reliever, whichever way we want me to phrase this one. Randy Carricker has written down his answer. Nick, what is your answer? Uh, I have no idea. It's uh, 10. Randy, what was your answer? I said one. We have a listener in today's fight, and this was about as close <laughs> as you can get. They tied, and then the separation on the closest to the pin is one. Is the winner Randy Carricker, or does other Nick, new Nick, wrong Nick, does he take the win? Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Congratulations, Nick. You took down Randy with the tiebreaker. Yes, finally. This is the third, third time I've been on. I've never. I've tied him twice, and so I finally beat him. There you go. Well, if you, if you can do the math on a razor-thin margin between 10 and 1, Bob Gibson had 200 and... What did I say? What did I say? Sorry. 245 wins as a starter. He had six as a reliever. That means that four away from the pin. Nick is the winner over Randy, who was five away from the pin. So congratulations to Nick. Let's go through all the answers in today's fight. Over the weekend, Reds rookie sensation Ellie De La Cruz hit for the cycle in 1991 in September. In Bush Stadium, Ray Langford hit hmm. for the cycle. He eventually would go on to finish top three in rookie of the year voting. Mabry did it in 96. He was a rookie in 96. Uh, happy birthday to Jimmy Ballgame. Edmonds played for four of the five current NL squads. Was, in fact, the Cincinnati Reds after being traded from the Milwaukee Brewers in 2010. Then he played his last uh, regular season at bats for. The only metro area that has all its pro major franchises named after the state instead of cities is, in fact, Minnesota. Carey thought I was going to get dinged on this one because I had <laughs> New York as an option. The Brooklyn Nets, Carey. The <laughs> Brooklyn yeah, Nets you got it. throws you, you off there. Major. And then, <laughs> That's fine. You and then across it. Patrice Bergeron, six-time Selkie run across 12 years. Only Anze Kopitar has won the award multiple mm. times, winning it in 2016 and 2018. And then again, Bob Gibson finished his career with 251 wins, and six of them came in relief. Congratulations to Nick. You will join the show tomorrow, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, Nick. Good job, Nick. <laughs> He's off <All> right. celebrating. <laughs> Good. Uh, Nick with us on 101 ESPN. All right, coming up. Adam Wainwright has deactivated his Twitter account. We want to know how it makes your day when you text or tweet, well, tweet somebody and cause them to have a bad day or to, in this case, deactivate a Twitter account. If you do it, we want to hear from you. Why do you like being mean, essentially, is how does it make your day? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We 
we do want to hear from you. Why, if you are, and we're in the trust tree here, you can be anonymous and tell us why you enjoy ripping people. What was the uh, the last text you got that you told me about, Matthew? Um, right <laughs> as you were going to break, you were previewing the topic, and somebody responded from the 314. What a sensitive snowflake. You know what? I have no problem being sensitive, and I have no problem being nice to people. If I die... And the main complaint about me, well, when I die, if the main complaint about me is that that Randy character, he was just too nice a guy, I'll feel like I've had a pretty successful run. Yeah, I think some people should try it out. They're just miserable. They 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 they're angry at everything and everyone, mm-hmm. and it's just their it's their life. You know, they got to mm-hmm. do better, be better. Uh, here's a text from the three one four. It says, "I like having an opinion." And uh, it's not being mean. I like cheering and, if necessary, booing. I like praising and critiquing. I like looking forward to several sides and not uh, one side. I like being realistic. Thank you. I'm talking about the people that were texting in to or tweeting Adam Wainwright and calling him garbage or saying you should retire or saying that you are a waste of money. And Mm -hmm. rather than... I think sports should be a celebration. I think sports should be something that brings people together and makes people actually happy. And for whatever reason, and I don't know where the anger came from with this particular fan base, there's a tremendous amount of anger towards Adam Wainwright, who has helped the Cardinals win a World Series. He has done amazing things for our community. Let me give you one little anecdote. Last year, at the end of the season, Adam was going to go to the Chick-fil-A up in De Pere, and he was going to take one order at the drive through window and buy somebody lunch. And I was there just kind of as because he's on our show, and I, I was there because it was a, a show thing. Adam stuck around for two hours going to every single car in the drive through and buying people lunch. Mm-hmm. That's just who he is. And I said, mm-hmm. I said, you don't have to be here. You only had to be here for one person. He said, no, I like doing this. I, this is what I love to do. And so... He's going to cars in uh, in the drive-thru, being just a great St. Louisan. Most people recognize him. Some people started crying. And he was just being who Adam Wainwright is, is a great guy. And I don't know how you can listen to the show on Wednesday mornings and not celebrate Adam Wainwright rather than deride him. And I just want to know why people think it is proper to deride him. Maybe it's something that w- from your childhood. I don't know. I just want to know why it makes you feel good to eviscerate people. <laughs> is this, uh, you know, it's healing your inner session. child? Yeah. You yeah. need to heal be. your inner yeah. child. Because yeah. if you if you put too much stake into, and there's a difference of critiquing someone or critiquing a player or an athlete. As we mentioned, Adam Wainwright even said, he said, I'll wear it with this this past Saturday, that mm-hmm. performance, we can all look at that and say that it wasn't a great performance. He is not the only person on this team, though. The offense didn't show up in that game. This has been a dismal season in general for the Cardinals. It seems like they, you know, just stumbled out of the gate and haven't been able to find their footing really this season. Adam Wainwright is not the only person on this team. He's not responsible for all the actions of this team. He's not responsible for every little thing. So to go and get angry at him and tweet at him to tweet, you need to retire. You need to leave. You know, why are you stealing money from the Cardinals? We'd be better off without you, which are all things that I have seen on social media. What does that accomplish? I, I think it just allows people to get their anger out. And, and there's a, a person from the 636 that social media allows bullies to avoid getting punched in the mouth. And I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I, I agree yeah. wholeheartedly with that statement because it, it is an opportunity for you to say whatever you want to say. 
and, and it's like throwing the rock and hiding your hand because yeah. sometimes those accounts don't even aren't even real accounts. They're they're burner accounts. So now you have someone who is hiding their identity and still allowed to say whatever they want to say. It's unfortunate, but again, as a professional athlete, you know that this comes with the territory. You understand that when you are you know, not performing well, people are going to have things to say. It's just, it's part of it. Randy, I, I remember I was hurt one time and I had a an autograph signing. Now, these autograph signings are, are well, you know, taken care of well in advance before anything takes place, before mm-hmm. that time frame comes up. I sprained my ankle and the guy asked me, why the hell are you here? Aren't you hurt? Aren't, why are you should be playing? I got a sprained ankle. I, my, I've been out a week. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I, I I can't. He was upset that I had the audacity to do something outside of sitting in. I'm not Russell Wilson. I'm not going to do 23 hours of treatment like he said he did, which is unrealistic. <laughs> you know, so but the the understanding that people have of players, it's unfortunate. They have millions of dollars. You shouldn't have to worry about it. No, if people are attacking you. Whether it's in person or on social media, it's unfortunate. And the unfortunate part is, more times than not, as a player, I can't respond in the way I would if I was not a player. If I was average Joe, I would probably punch you in the face for for being disrespectful in my face. But as a player, I can't. So now I have to sit there. I have to take it. And the best thing that, that a player can do is remove himself from all of those things and not pay attention to it, not listen to it. And just block out the noise, as you mentioned. And look, I I also want to give credit because I do believe that sometimes negative people are always the loudest. They always are the ones who are making sure that they get their point out there the most, that they're the they're the ones on social media. Sometimes when you look at the people who are tweeting negative stuff, if you go and look at their entire Twitter account or Facebook, everything is negative. Even if it's it's not even related to sports, everything is negative. The negative people are always the loudest. So I understand that. And I do want to give credit to. To the fans, the true fans, because I believe that you're a true fan, a fan, if you're positive and you see the good, you are realistic about things and you're not bullying and harassing people. There have been a lot of fans who have stepped forward, who typically aren't as vocal and have made sure that they are seeing the praises of Adam Wainwright to know that those few people who are harassing or bullying you do not speak for the rest right. of the fan base. And based on behavior. There appears to be a pretty dramatic difference between Twitter fan and ballpark fan because the people that you sit next to at the ballpark are generally pretty much supportive of the Cardinals. The people that you're visualizing on Twitter are not. We get this text. The value of positive reviews is lost if fans can't also point out the negative. Should fans have posted great comments about his last start? No, that's not what we're saying. But if you go into a review at your job and your boss says to you, Okay, you did X, Y, and Z well. You almost reached your budget, okay? You're, you're a salesperson. You almost reached your budget, and you, you did well. But basically, you are garbage, and you aren't worth the money that you're paying you. Does that positive that you were rewarded with offset the negative when you said you're garbage and you aren't worth the money that we're paying you? I don't think that that is a positive review, and I don't think... The positive is lost. I think the positive disappears when you say things like that to somebody. Think about that. Think about going to somebody's in a a typical work review and saying, "Okay, well, yeah, you did well last year, but this year you have just been hot garbage and you suck. (laughs) And I can't believe that you would have signed the contract that we gave you because you're wasting our time and you're wasting yours and you should retire. What would you think if you walked into your workplace review and that was the review that you got? 
It wouldn't be great. No, I don't think so. No, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't, it wouldn't no. be great. <laughs> there's a little. Basically, what you're saying is there's a little bit of decorum to how you handle things. Yes. Yeah, that's a good word. Decorum. I think we need more of that. I, Compassion. I see, I see both one. sides, though. For me, and because I'm a high school coach, I often tell you know my players what you see on social media isn't real. You have to be able to understand that it is not a real place. It is a a fake place where people can say or do anything and they can make up stories about how great they are or they can make up stories about how terrible you are. Whatever fits their desire in that moment, it is not a real place. So don't put so much stock into it, the good or the bad, because it's fun. It's fun to read all of the positive comments. It's, it releases some endorphins in you when, when, when you get a like on a post or when people congratulate you and tell you how awesome you are. But then the opposite side of that is there are also people that are going to attack you and demean you and be disrespectful and, and just hurtful. So now you're, you're, you have the highest of highs when you get the likes and you get the comments that are, are pleasant, but then the lowest of lows when it's the other way. So you can't, you have to live in the middle. You can't, you can't have, you can't ride that wave because it will drive you crazy. And we get a text from the uh, 314. Being harsh is awful. I agree, Randy. Love your opinions and thoughts, but you've said some heavily critical and harsh things about other athletes. Does your opinion only apply to the athletes you like? I would challenge you to find a time where I called anybody garbage because that is something that I cringe at when people say it. I would challenge you to find any time I told any athlete that he should retire. I would challenge you to find any time where I said that that a, a player, uh, w- when they aren't playing well, I, I will point it out, yes. But I have never said that a player should not have signed a contract or shouldn't have tried hard or shouldn't have said, I want to bring one more world championship to St. Louis. No, I, I would challenge you to find those instances in which I have said that about an athlete. And I and I believe fans have always been passionate. It's not it's nothing that has exactly changed other than social media. Social media gives you more access to your favorite athletes, actors, Internet personalities, different things like that. But I think it has also amplified the hate, the negative voices. Mm-hmm. And look, the Cardinals aren't the the Cardinals fans are not the only ones that have high expectations, high hopes, have been angry. I was in Arkansas when Brandon Allen, the quarterback at the time, his car was set on fire. Ooh. Do you guys remember that? His yeah, truck, I about actually. That, yeah. So I thankfully Cardinals fans haven't done that. And I just think that now people are getting angrier and angrier more than ever because social media, you can, you know, connect with other people with a lot of those negative thoughts. And then it just spins and spins and spins until it turns into a giant fire where a lot of people are jumping in on things like that. Our Rush Hour Reset coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. And I'll leave you with this one thing that that Cardinals fans have to keep in mind. Every other player in the league pays attention to what's going on in other cities. Yes. We talk. Mm-hmm. We look at we, we look at the locker rooms when we go visit other places. Uh, that locker room is oh, if the visiting locker room looks like that, I couldn't imagine what the what the home team locker room looks like. That's from earlier this morning here on 101 ESPN talking about the way that Several athletes in St. Louis have been treated over the course of the last 48 hours. Tori Krug for 
invoking his no-trade clause, which he earned after playing nine years with the Boston Bruins and getting a new contract, and the Blues offered a no-trade clause, told him that he wanted to be here. They made the commitment to him. He made the commitment to them, and he is exercising his rights to that commitment. And, of course, Adam Wainwright, who has not had a good year and was just blasted by the Cubs on Saturday, but then more blasted by his ostensibly his own fans on Twitter that caused him to deactivate his Twitter account. And we've got your texts and we've got your mic drops here on 101 ESPN. We do appreciate those. You can use the mic drop app, by the way. If you'd like to refer to uh, us or talk to us about what's going on and a lot of interesting and notable texts, guys. And I think the bottom line here is, is that as a fan base and CD, you mentioned athletes talk. And if Adam Wainwright is out broadcasting next year. Mm-hmm. He's a man. If you're going to go to St. Louis, you better perform well because right. if you don't, they're going to rip you. And, and as a player, that's the expectation. No one expects to perform poorly. We all expect to play well, get paid well for our play, and that comes with the territory. Again, you understand that that's a part of it, but the attacking, the going to someone's house because you don't think they're doing their job well enough. That is absurd. That's absurd. That's ridiculous. So when you talk about that part of the the small fraction of Cardinal fans, we will not pretend like it's not there, like they don't exist because they do. It may not be you. It may be someone you know. It may not be someone you know, but it, it may be something that you've heard. Regardless, it is a real thing. You cannot pretend or close your eyes and, and, and it just goes away. It's there. It's something that they are mm-hmm. dealing with. And so now, as a player, as a coach, as a manager, if that is happening or taking place, everyone around the league knows. You think Jeff Albert, when he got to, to, to his new spot, he didn't mention what the hell happened here? You think he just went away and said, oh, why'd you leave? Man, those folks are crazy as hell. They were outside my damn door. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. I'm sure he told someone. And if he didn't, if he didn't tell it out loud, he told someone who may have told someone else. It gets around. Those are comments and things that take place that when you're in the in the in this situation and you're coming to this situation, you're well aware of what's taking place. Yeah. And if you just don't have anything nice to say sometimes, then just don't say it. Maybe that 20 we were talking about, you know, there's times where you get angry. That 24 hour rule or even like an Mm -hmm. hour or two, just seeing if you still think that's a good idea. But as I mentioned earlier, I noticed a lot of those people with the negative comments their entire Twitter feed or social media page is just negative. Even if it's outside the Cardinals, they're just in a very negative space. That's you projecting your insecurities and your issues onto somebody else. And you want them, you're relying on a sports figure to make you happy. You should never rely on somebody else point. to make you happy. Right. Never. You can only look internally at yourself <sighs> and look inside yourself and that's the only thing that can make you happy. Well said. Yeah, I, it's just it's called self-esteem. It is, and it comes from within yourself. Exactly, and <laughs> and realizing that there's other people in the world, and not everything also revolves around you. It's very important. Somebody from the six one eight said, "Randy, so you don't think the Blues should trade Tory Krug?" And Tory Krug is another name we have been talking about this. And here's the thing: whether you think Tory Krug should be traded or not. The comments that we're talking about specifically, which I have seen over and over again, is if you don't waive your no trade clause, then you're going to get booed on the ice. Right. And he had that's yeah. the whole point of him having a no trade clause. Exactly. And no, I, I didn't say that he the Blues shouldn't trade him. I, I think that the Blues would be better served if they would trade Tory Krug. 
Troy Krug hasn't had the success in St. Louis. I don't think he has a Stanley Cup ring with the Blues. Uh, Adam Wainwright has a couple with the Cardinals. No, I'm just saying that I, I'm, I, I would prefer that people be humane. That's all. I, 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 I would prefer that people treat people that, the, the way that they would like to be treated. That, I don't think that's too much to ask. And I don't think that you want yourself or your family to be called garbage or ripped or saying uh, you shouldn't be here or you don't live up to my standards. You aren't good enough. I think that we should all just be better about things like that. It's a, it's a line. You know, it's a line that you just don't cross where, you know, Russell Russell Westbrook has dealt with this during games where fans feel that they can say anything to him because he's he's entertaining them. I put that in air quotes. They feel like it's okay to say or do anything because you paid money. There is a line. There is a line of respect that is required when you're talking to another human being, regardless of how much you paid. No one cares how much you paid to get into the game, how much you paid for your your your, your parking or your food. That doesn't give you the right to be disrespectful to the level where you're 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 really attacking people. Yeah. And one this text just came in six million a year. The fans can boo me every second. And number one, I think booing is a different thing altogether than attacking. I, I think booing is a sign of frustration. I don't boo at ballparks, but I get it if you do. And if you pay your money for your ticket, I, I get that you can become frustrated and boo. That is a little, well, no, it's a lot different than lambasting somebody on Twitter and calling them names and saying that they don't deserve to live in your world or that they should retire or that the, you were a waste of money. Carry your... You, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in pain. <laughs> I, I just, I, whenever, because people assume that because you make X amount of dollars that you will, you can take anything. But you don't have that feelings. They're not you, humans, you, 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 almost. you can take anything. Yeah, if I had two million dollars in the bank, you could tell me anything. No, the hell you couldn't. No, you could not, because there's a point in every person where it's too much, and you will snap yep. because of what people are saying to you. That is a lie from someone who has not experienced that. This is why analytics suck. (laughs) 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 Because they're, you've turned, analytics has turned athletes into robots. People think that they aren't human beings now. They think they're just robots. So I'm blaming the analytics movement. Mike Claiborne joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Claiborne with us, and of course you can check out everything going on at Claibs Online and on social media this weekend. Mike probably didn't get ripped like Adam Wainwright did, but he had a lot of great shots from the trip to London and the series in London. Uh, Claibs, first of all, good morning. Second of all, uh, it looked like you had a great time with the, the London series and that baseball did a great job with it. They really did. Um, in, in every sense of the word, from the way the field was laid out to the entertainment to just they you know what they put a lot of time into it obviously and um i think everybody went away happy you know the the games weren't totally sold out but you know it was they were bigger crowds than what the cardinals and cubs would play in front of in their own home ballpark but yeah it was a good experience uh you know i think we all had a good time but you know could have liked to have won the first game but 
you know, you came back in the second game and you did what you needed to do. Y'all hit the Cubs, and you know, and now here we go playing the Houston Astros tonight. Claves, the hot topic today has obviously been Adam Wainwright and his Twitter uh, getting off social media. What are your thoughts about that, and, and what did you think about his performance over the weekend? Well, it wasn't a performance I know he wanted to see. Uh, you know, he's been struggling. But, you know, here's the thing that I would remind people of. He, you know, he faced the Mets. He was lights out. He was as good as he's been all year. Uh, but, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? And, you know, Kerry, you know, social media – you know, has it has a real stranglehold on on how we do things. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you if subscribe to it and you want to play in it, get ready because there's going to be a day like he dealt with on Saturday that people are going to you know they they take the gloves off for all the wrong reasons because you know it doesn't take a lot of character and a lot of guts to uh, to go on social media and take shots at a person. I mean, you know, anybody can do it. And you know, if you look in their own kitchen, you I'm sure you can find some things that maybe you wouldn't like about them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the life we live. And, you know, you hear more and more people say, I'm getting off of it. I don't need it. You know, it's something that, you know, I could do without uh, for, for situations like this. And, you know, Adam has been a great person, you know, on this team, in our community. And, you know, it's one of those things where uh, the question comes up, did he stay too long? Well, that, that and it's a good question to ask. But how people have gone after him in the manner that they did, it, it's, it's not called for. Claves, you're around the players often, and I know a lot of the younger players talk to you. Would that be something that you would, you know, just lean on them and say, hey, don't do this, don't get on social media, don't lean so heavily into it? Yeah, you know, I would. I, I would let them know that there's, with uh, the reward you get when you're doing well, there is also a backlash that comes with it also. You know, and I'm at a point now where there's certain things I, you know, there's certain people or certain things I don't read. There's certain things I don't watch. And I'm good with it. You know, it ain't, you know I'm, I'm, I'd rather have things that are more positive and more objective in my life than to sit there and see people get torched for all the wrong reasons. So, yeah, I would definitely uh, warn players and, and people in this business of the, the backlash that could come with it. Uh, because it's just not, it's not, you know, it's, it's again, it's not fair, but that's how we live. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot of character for people to do what they do and, and, and try and sting you and just be a hater. Basically, that's all it is, is just being a hater. Claves, we are inching closer and closer to the trade deadline. And a lot of articles, Ken Rosenthal coming out with an article today where it says enough caution. Cardinals need to consider bold action at the trade deadline with a picture of Paul Goldschmidt. Do you see a scenario where the Cardinals will be willing to part with Paul Goldschmidt? I don't. Um, I think Paul Goldschmidt is a mainstay here. You know, he still has a lot of value to this team. Uh, and, you know, I know that we're at that point. And, and I do agree with, with, with Ken that, OK, we've seen enough. Of what's going on and you obviously need to make a change in some capacity and i'm not talking about getting rid of the manager I'm, I'm talking about looking at this team and you know the the big concern was at at the end of last year going into this year and currently during the season pitching you don't have enough of it and it, you know you look at some of the eras of some of these guys it's just not working and i think we've had enough of a size and it's no longer a sample size it is a true size of what you are and you've got to figure out a way to do that. Now, the question is this. Okay, let's have a fire sale. We can trade this guy and that guy. Okay, so let's say you want to trade Flaherty, a guy on an expiring contract. What, is, what do you think a team is going to give you in return for a guy like that who is going to be an unrestricted free agent? Now, obviously, Goldie's more attractive because he has more time on a contract. But when we talk about moving a lot of these players, you have to think about what are you, what are you looking for in return that's going to help you now? 
And I just don't know what that answer is because a lot of guys aren't having productive seasons. So I don't not saying you stuck with them, but you be, understand what you're going to get in return may not be what you think you deserve. And because, you know, teams know that, hey, look, we know he's unrestricted. He may go back to St. Louis. He may not. He may test the water. But at the end of the day, you know, the value of a pitcher or a player like that was probably greater in the offseason than it is now. Claves, I offered this counterpoint that if they were to decide to make a trade, that Paul Goldschmidt would be the best person because of what you just spoke of, what they would get in return. And going forward, you got a 35-year-old MVP, but how many more years does he have playing at that level? And I'm not a person that thinks he should be traded, but I think if the Cardinals wanted the best return on that trade, it would be Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that he probably brings you the most value. So here's the question I would ask. What teams would be in that market for a guy like that? Well, the Philadelphia has, Phillies. What you're looking for. The Philadelphia Phillies is pitching. Okay, yeah, the, the Philadelphia Phillies pitching is good. They, I was told yesterday their bullpen might be second best in baseball behind Baltimore. And I started looking at some, some numbers, and you know what? They're probably right. Uh, Philadelphia has four guys that come out of that pen and they give it to you and they give it to you hard. Um, but the, here's the thing. What pitchers do you want from Philadelphia? You're not going to get the first two guys from them. You're not going to get their top two. And I think if you're going to go after, if you're going to move a guy like Goldschmidt, you have to have a top-line pitcher, okay? Not a guy who's a third or fourth guy in the rotation. A top-line guy. And the thing is, I don't know if Philadelphia is going to be all in on making that sort of deal because Hoskins will be back next year, okay? So you don't want to be stuck in that situation. And Goldie is not going to be the DH because you already have Schwarber doing that from time to time, and you have Bryce Harper, they're rotating. So I'm not sure if that's going to be the trade partner you're looking for. So I'll go back, and and granted, I'm just asking on the fly. I don't have the answer. What team is going to be looking for a person of that ilk that they can carry and has enough value that in return that you can appreciate? Hey, Claves, it's really interesting to look at the way trades work, too, because very rarely does a player of that ilk, uh, and by the way, Ken Rosenthal also brought up Nolan Arenado's name, very rarely does a team get proper return for a superstar like a Goldschmidt or an Arenado. You look at the Andrew McCutcheon trade, you look at the Mookie Betts trade, you look at the Giancarlo Stanton trade. We can go throughout history and find deals uh, of all-star or superstar players that didn't work out. It's it's hard for a minor leaguer to turn into an all-star or a superstar. Well, I'll give you two more examples. What do you think Colorado's thinking now once they move Arenado? What do you think Arizona's looking at, that, that talent that they got in moving Goldschmidt? I mean, it, it's, it's a really huge risk to move a player like that and think you're going to get anything close to that in return. I agree, Clapes. I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's just it's a tough thing, and it's tough to uh, figure out. I want to ask you about this NBA. What do you think about Dame Lillard and in, in potentially leaving Portland? Well, you know, it, it, that's a good question because – He's been the face of that organization, and they brought various guys in there, uh, you know, that they thought were going to be a difference maker, and it just hasn't worked. So maybe a change of scenery might be good for him. But you have to make sure if you're going to move a guy like that, he's got to be able to fit in in the proper manner. I mean, he's a guy that needs the ball in his hand. And, you know, he can score with anybody. But I think you have to make sure he's part of a big two or a big three, and where he becomes the big three. So you want to have guys in other positions 
that are going to be, you know, even more valuable because he plays a position now separate from the other guys. And I think you have to look at the teams that are out there and then you have to make sure if salary cap wise it matches up. And, you know, it's harder to move a guy like that than you think. He may have teams he'd like to play for, but when you look at the personnel within that organization that you're going to have to move, it may not be as valuable to you as you think. Then the other question I had is, uh, I did a little dance when Jordan Poole got traded from the uh, from the Warriors <laughs> to the Wizards. <laughs> Do you think the Warriors have a chance to go back to the championship this year? No, uh, no? they don't have enough. <sighs> no, yeah, you know what? They don't have enough inside. Yeah, they got to get, they they get bigger. They got to get bigger because, you know, you think about – uh, Joker and what he's able to do, uh, you know, the kid who just got drafted is going to be, he's going to be an impact player for sure, maybe next year, the year after. And then you think about other teams who are starting to get a little bigger inside, and I just don't think the Warriors have enough. And you know what? Here's the thing, Kerry. They're only one injury away from being a lottery team again. Mm. I mean, if you think about the age on, on uh, Chris Paul, the age on Curry, the age on, on uh, Clay Thompson, those guys are all over over 34 years old, Okay. So, I mean, and none of those guys have been able to play a full season within the last five years. So I just think that, you know, they they trying to keep the band together one more time. I just don't think there's enough musicians. Claves, what do we got going on at Claves Online? Well, we're going to have Claves and Joe uh, for lunch today. We'll have that coming up in just a bit. Also, uh, later in the week, Dr. Rick Lehman will have his podcast. We'll visit with Dick Ragone and talk some golf and PGA and the, 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 the WPGA. Uh, also, we're going to uh, visit with Jamal Mayers this week and talk about the NHL draft that's coming up, and that should be very interesting as far as who's going to do what, including the Blues. And so that'll keep us busy this week, and of course we'll be talking some baseball with Bob Nightingale on Thursday as well. So uh, I think that'll get us started for the week. What do you think? I think that sounds great. And oh, by the way, should mention that I know that Dusty Baker is one of your favorite people in baseball, and he's in town for the next three days. Yeah, uh, we are scheduled to get together this week. And, you know, i tell you, Randy, here's the other neat thing about uh, the uh, game in London. I ran into so many former players that they brought over, like Adam Jones, who now lives in Barcelona. Chase Utley lives in London. Uh, let's see, who else? Dave Winfield. There's a picture I put up on, on my website on Twitter. Dave Winfield talking to Jordan Walker. And, and the <laughs> caption is passing it on. I mean, there were so many former players that I caught up with and, and had such a great time. You're going to start to hear from some of those guys here in the next few weeks as well, along with a visit I had with Tony Clark, the executive director for the Players Association. So uh, a lot of good stuff going on. Looking forward to that. Claves, have a great week, and we'll see you soon. You got it, fellas. Have a great day. And you too, Brooke. They wanted to exclude you. No. I, I'll be waiting <laughs> for my gift from London, Claves. I, I know that that's coming this week. Uh, you know what, Brooke? One quick story. I almost had to buy another suitcase. <laughs> I, I knew it. I, I knew it. I had to literally have the, the maid sit on my suitcase to zip it up. <laughs> I can't wait to see those fits. It was massive, so I will be breaking out with some new British style here very soon. All right. Yeah. Some of them you're going to like. Some of them you're going to be like, oh, I don't know. But, uh, I'll just say this. Pleats and cuffs are back. Mm, oh, there we go. Love okay. to hear. <laughs> Mike Claiborne with us on 101 ESPN every Tuesday. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN as the Cardinals get ready to take on the Astros. Is there any reason to believe that they're going to go on a run? And regarding Wayno and him deactivating his Twitter account on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
pitching. You don't have enough of it. And, it, you know, you look at some of the ERAs of some of these guys, it's just not working. And I think we've had enough of a size, and it's no longer a sample size. It is a true size of what you are. And you've got to figure out a way to do that. Mike Claiborne with us here on 101 ESPN. Well, I don't think that what we said this morning or what anybody has said will settle things down. And I do think that there are people that are so emotionally invested as Cardinal fans that they have a visceral reaction to poor play and the team losing. Their natural reaction when the team isn't performing well is to lash out because many times they, like Adam said a couple weeks ago, the Cardinal players don't know how to react. If you spent your entire life with the Cardinals not playing poorly and then they are, what are you going to do? You don't know how to react and you react in an extremely negative fashion. And that's what's happened here. Yeah, I I have a question because somebody texted this in earlier. What happened with Izzy? What I know that I know a little bit of the story, but I don't know the full story. When Izzy struggled as the closer here, he was injured in two thousand five. I think it was two thousand five. Uh, fans were to his family in the stands. People were mocking and extremely critical of and rude to his family, and he quit bringing his family to the games because. They didn't. They were taking abuse that was undeserved. It, it, it happens, and this is the other side that people don't think about: your families, your kids mm-hmm. when they go yeah. to school, other kids that are talking bad, or maybe a teacher in passing. Oh, the Cardinals think. Did you see that? Like those mm-hmm. things happen to to players' children's t- children, to their children, to their families, to their wives. Those types of things happen all the time, and that is when you are crossing a line in sports it's too much you are you are a fan and and i guess it's short for fanatic but mm-hmm. stop and my, right there yeah, my, my guess would be that adam's high school aged kids probably see social media as well yes i'm sure yeah they do and i often wonder when i when i i assume that some of these these fans that are are going over the line. I wonder at times, are they like betting on games? And that's where their frustration lies. Like, because they're losing money or they're not they're not succeeding in the way. I think that some of that takes place as well. But the fact that you are that upset or that angry at a player where you will demean them, disrespect them, you know, go to their homes in some situations, it's 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 absurd. It's it's too mm-hmm. much. It really is. It's just taking it to that next level is the issue. And I know that there's plenty of people who have texted in that, you know, have, you know, brought up, well, you know, that's not everybody. And of course it's not. And the negative voices are always louder. It's when things are taken to the level of harassment or bullying that it's it's never okay. You can critique a player. Nobody's saying that. I think that that needs to be, be cleared up. You can critique a player and say that wasn't a great performance. They will even say it wasn't a great performance. I've heard that from every single one of the players this season for the Cardinals take accountability for themselves. But where it crosses the line is where you make it extremely you know, personal and harassing that player to the point where they might need to deactivate their Twitter account. That's it, that's when it, it gets taken too far. The part where where it's not everyone. Well, here's my thing: if you are if you are watching it happen, you are a part of the problem as well. And that's with most most things. If you don't speak out on it, if you don't say anything, if you're sitting in a section where people are saying or or doing those types of demeaning things, and you're just quiet and not say, "Hey, we don't do that here. That's not how we go about our business." That is the part that is part of the problem. It's 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 just you're allowing it to happen as well. You are part of the problem, even though you're not doing it. You're not saying it. You're sitting there watching it. 
Yeah. And that's the thing is just speaking up and being vocal in those good moments. And there's been a lot of great people who have come forward, a lot of fans who typically aren't that active on social media, making sure that they get out there and show that this isn't the majority of the fan base. Those are just a few bad apples. And there's always going to be a few bad apples in fan bases. I told you guys right before the uh, the break earlier, Brandon Allen, when I was covering the University of Arkansas, his truck got set on fire. That's because ridiculous. fans were so upset. What kind of truck was it? I don't know. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good it was question. The, fault. It was the, <laughs> the truck had to do with his just, performance well, started, out there. Just started a fire on itself, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's possible. I guess. Yep. Maybe not. Coming up down the stretch with <laughs> rock and roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Hey, Matthew. Yeah, Randy. Before we get to (laughs) rock and roll, we accuse you in much a mocking way of having bad opinions. Oh, wait, what? And we just got a text that said, Carrie, that's a horrible take. It's your own opinion. Now, that person might disagree with your opinion, but how can it be a horrible opinion? Now, if you're giving a fact, that's one thing, okay? You can say, that fact is wrong, but how can you tell somebody else that their opinion is horrible? Well, here's the the other part to that. This person clearly didn't hear. They don't listen well Uh because they, uh they were talking about... How am I going to tell someone on social media? I didn't say social media. I said in your section, meaning at the ballpark, yep. meaning while you're at the game and you're sitting there in the environment. So listening is a is a key component to understanding. It is. When you listen well, wow. you can understand better. And generally, from some of the texts we get, we don't we, we have people that are t- they're, they're here, but they don't always listen. But Carrie, that's a good thing. That means they're paying attention to the road. Uh, they're there you they're go. distracted that's and they're paying good. attention that's to what's happening it. on the road. OK, well, then don't text and drive, sir, ma'am. Yeah. Somebody's, safe. People are opinions bad if they don't have like good like facts to back it up. That helps to have good facts to back it up. But uh, generally. Yeah. But or you shouldn't. But say you that. can like I could have the opinion, for example, that Tom Brady sucked. Now, would the facts not back that up? They don't back it up. Very they well. don't back they it don't, up. They're, no, 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 no. But because he, he actually was pretty good. But it is my opinion. <laughs> and so you can't say my opinion is bad because maybe I think he sucks because he cheated for three Super yeah, Bowls. Okay. Maybe my facts are a little bit different than your facts. Some people think that there are such things as alternative facts. Well, I, I, in in so we get a text from the 636. It says it can be a horrible take when you rank Kobe out of the top 25. Okay. And uh, or okay. Pau Gasol ahead of him. That's a W. That's a w. That's Generally a, speaking. Uh, neither of those pretty, things happen. That's horrible a, take. That's a take. Neither of those it's things a happen. It's, it's a, a good thing neither of those things happen. <laughs> All right. What do you got for us, big boys? That would be really, really dumb. But man, it's a good thing neither of those things happen. <laughs> but that one finals, I'll tell you what. Oh, uh, the Blues man. have extended qualifying offers to restricted free agents. Huma Ging, Alexei Torbchenko, and Tyler Tucker. Obviously, two of those three names big, um, you know, late contributors to the Blues last season. One name that's missing from that list, though, uh, no... Uh, 
Brownie. Logan Brown? No Logan Brown. Disappointing because obviously a St. Louis kid drafted fifth overall, mm-hmm. loaded with skill, just couldn't get healthy. And it never was what Ottawa expected when they drafted him or what the Blues expected when they traded for him. The do- Blues do have hopes for Tyler Tucker. They think that he can yes. be a pretty key part of their defense going forward. Well, and also Alexi Torpchenko. I mean, the fact that they even moved him up to yeah. the top line with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo to add some more physicality to that line, I think says a lot about what they see in him and his potential. I don't think he's not going to be at the top all the time. He could be a monster fourth line guy. Though, yes. Because he's, he's better than a fourth line player. So if you have the depth to be able to play him on your fourth line, that's exactly what Craig Berube wants. And it's more guys that Berube likes, as you yeah. mentioned right there. It's more guys that Berube is great at coaching with. He likes those physical guys, those guys who are going to go out there, even if they don't have that many minutes out there, it's impactful. And Alexi Torpchenko did that, and Tyler Tucker did that a lot last season. I like Alexi. I liked, I liked what he was able to do. I liked his demeanor. I enjoyed watching him play. So and I'm, called his teammates Beer League. Yeah. yeah. Was, was it Open and honest about what he felt was going on on this team. Didn't hold back at all. I love it. I love Alexi Dropchenko so much. When he was was dipping his shoulder and skating past the entire avalanche squad in the playoffs two years ago, I I knew the kid had something special. And, I mean, if that's – if you can get – I mean, that's a fourth liner for – 2020s NHL, a guy who who's big, strong, yeah. but also when it, when it comes down to it, he can handle the puck and he can still give you offense. It's, this isn't a 1990s fourth liner. It's not a knock to say that he's that player. That size, that grit, he can give you. It's more of what the Blues need. I love, I love the the future of Torpchenko. You like Torpo or Toro is his nickname. I like Toro. Man, Toro works because he's so big. Mm-hmm. Then like Torpo, like. Maybe we need to stop giving the Russians like military names though, like tor- torpedo, tank, Frank yeah. Toro. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying, yeah. it's like, maybe we should probably stay away from that. See, why, why, why do you gotta take it that way, Rock? Yeah, yeah. we I, just live in La La Land. Okay, over here we're, 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 we're we don't know. Oh, yeah. you, want to, you, you want to hear where else my, my brain took me? Oh yes. no. right, yeah, so, sure. So here's the thing: get get Jason Hayward, get out of here. I want to know who gave the speech to the LSU baseball team. Mm-hmm. How do you go from getting absolutely ran off a of field 24 to 4? I mean in, in, in the in the parlance of the 2011 Cardinals, mm-hmm. I knew game 7 was over after after what happened in game 6. If you're if you're Florida, you're probably thinking 24 to 4, we got this in the bag. We're going to run these guys off the field tomorrow and they come back and hand it to you 14 to 4 the other way. Get Jason Hayward out of here. I want to know who gave the pre, the post-game pre-game speech. What who gave the speech that turned the LSU Tigers around cuz it was one doozy of a speech with that kind of turnaround. After you lose twenty four to four, only thing we can't play much worse, yeah. guys. Yeah. It's only, it's only here. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it was the power of the fans, their fans <laughs> coming in with the Jello shots. Did you guys keep up with that with yeah, the that Jello shots? Yeah, with the College World Series Jello shots. Uh, they drink a lot, LSU fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they, do. they know how to. Short memory. <laughs> so what you're saying is short memory span. Yeah, family. Yeah. After you lose 24 to four, you don't remember it. It's not going to affect you to go out there and win 14 to four the other way. Well, it doesn't I hope matter. They weren't the ones drinking well, that, that, the Jello shots. I'm not saying that, but and it, you need to have the great be. leadership. I go back to game one, 1982. Mike Caldwell of the Brewers shuts out the Cardinals, 10 to nothing. And most managers, especially now that don't really have much personality, would go in and they'd you know. Oh, well, we had a 58% chance of winning that game and stuff like that. <laughs> Whitey sat down after losing 10 nothing and getting shut out by Mike Caldwell in game one and said, glad that wasn't a blank and double header. 
There you go. <laughs> we would have really then, been feeling bad. Yeah, and, and then they went out and won the series. So there you go. I don't know how you how, how you found a way to take a shot at analytics in there, but you did. I mean, that's impressive, Randy. I didn't see the I didn't see the, I didn't I didn't that's see the goal. road. I didn't see the road when I brought up that topic, but you, you know found what? it, Matthew. It doesn't even feel like a shot anymore. It just it's so natural. Yeah. <laughs> it's so natural. We should see if there is a show. We should go back and see if there's yeah. a show where you didn't like involve analytics is, in some yeah. way taking no a shot at chance, it. No there is no. no chance in hell that that has existed since the movie Moneyball came out. By the way, have I mentioned to you guys that? 100% of former, well, maybe Randy Flores doesn't count, <laughs> but uh, 100% of players that aren't in an analytics front office are down on analytics and don't like them and think that that's mm. just no way to win. Why do you think that is, Randy? Because, because they played the game? Yeah, because they know, because they were trying... They were trying to make baseball plays to win, and analytics does not lead itself to making baseball plays to win. It, to me, it's one of... I understand some parts of it, some portions of it. There are good parts to it, but majority of it, when you are basing your entire philosophy on what a number on a sheet tells you, it is a dumbass philosophy. Can I give you another point here? And this is not to denigrate anybody. This is just a fact, okay? If you look around front offices at analytics people, they didn't play. Yeah. It matters. Yeah. yeah. Right? No, I'm going to stop there. Carrie's yeah. just, <laughs> just really mad that 7.6 is higher than 4.5. Yep. So uh, maybe, that, maybe yeah. that's where the distinction comes in, is because I'm talking to people who played and won at a high level, and the people that are determining whether or not players should be sent down to the okay. minors because they don't have launch angle never played at that level. Okay, I wasn't going to do it, but here, <laughs> I was going to because we're running out of time. Right? About the late, here late 2000s. We got a lot of lot of people who were not good at sports. They weren't great at sports, and this is their way in. Great at math. They, they're great at math. They do that very well, and so now they found a way to become the cool guy involved in sports because sports is cool. Mm-hmm. Math ain't. You know, most people, most chicks ain't going to dig you because you're a stellar mathematician. You're saying fractions aren't sexy? No, they aren't. (laughs) 2x plus y equals whatever. No one cares. But if you can put a formula together and become a stellar mathematician on a baseball team, the girls love you. And there you go. And here we are. Analytics, baby. This is some nerd. This is some nerd hate and talk. This is some nerd hating yep. talk yep. right here. Yep. Thank Carrie, you, Matthew. Again, Carrie's just mad that around, around about late 2000s, they were yep. like, so our quarterback average is seven per attempt, yep. and our running back average is four per attempt. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing. What if we They're threw the ball dummies. more? Once, and, and I say this with all due respect to the math people in my life, and they know it. Once a letter was introduced to math, <laughs> it was over, and you had ah. lost me, okay? So just think of it that way. It's Math is about numbers. It's not about X times three equals 15, okay? Randy, what was the look on your face like when you walked into physics and they were like, it's science, but with math? I never got into <laughs> physics because I wasn't smart enough. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Uh, Brooke, this has been fun. Now, tomorrow good. we're going to talk about nice people. Oh, okay. We're gonna talk That's about, good. And, and th- you know what? We'll do that. We'll do something on good things that people are doing. Uh, CD, have a Matt oh, Tuesday. Oh, man. Analytics. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right.
been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.